Welcome to Recently Logged. <laughs> hey, kid, how you doing? I'm, I'm sick. You're sick? What do you got? Tuberculosis? I had a, an awful case of tuberculosis when I was a kid, but you seem, you seem pretty good. You're gonna, you're vaccinated, right? I'm not, but you are, right? Yeah, yeah, Grandpa. <laughs> right, I got, listen, I got nothing better to do. Your grandmother, she's out at a, at a bridge tournament with her friends. I thought... I just come in and entertain you while you're homesick. I know you want to play Call of Duty Black Ops or Super Mario, whatever the kids are into these days. But really, I just, you know, this was my favorite thing when I was your age, and I wanted to share it with you. It's not a stupid book, is it, Grandpa? Oh, no, of course. I wouldn't dream of it. No, this is, we have a podcast. Here, let me pull it up on my device. A podcast? What's my, oh, what's my password? Uh, it's either you or your sister's birthday. I can't remember which one I love more. <laughs> it's your sister. Okay. And pulling up the podcast. And... Greetings from the beyond. Hello. Hi. You are now going to be blessed with the basic facts of the Princess Bride. The basic Bride. facts of, of the Princess Bride, yes. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're recording quite a bit from the future without Yossi, but uh, we're going to do this as fast as we can. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the basic facts of the Princess Bride uh, came out in 1987. It is rated PG. It's an hour and 38 minutes. Its little IMDb description is, While homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies in his quest to reunite with his true love. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the movie. The, the cast, we have... Uh, I always forget how to say this guy's last Carrie name. Carrie Ewells? Carrie Ewells, I, I would, think I would correct. assume. I would assume. Uh, Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> Uh, Robin Wright, Chris Saradon, Saradon sounds like a Lord of the Rings. Christopher Guest, <laughs> Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Fred Savage, Peter Falk, Peter Cook, Peter Falk, and Peter Cook. <laughs> the Dream Team unites. And more. It's directed by Rob Reiner. Indeed. Um, written by William Goldman. Which he also wrote the book that this is based on. Indeed, I, I believe we mentioned that in the uh, later on in the episode. Yeah. How would I know that, Mike? It <laughs> was nominated for one Oscar, being best original song. Oh yeah, the end credit song. It's original for the movie. Hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think it was that good of a song, but you know, <laughs> I'm glad it got nominated for something. But yeah, that is that is the Princess Bride. That's it. That's all you need to That's know. That's all you need to know. And uh, now we're gonna we're gonna move on to the podcast. We brought in very special guest this week, um, and uh, here we go. Here he is. Here he is. So, Yossi. Yeah. <laughs> what did me. you think? What did you think of the of the film, the, movie. the Princess oh, Bride? Oh, I like I like <laughs> this movie a lot. It's it's interesting. I picked this movie, and this is the. Well, we're doing this out of order. I'm sorry to break the podcast magic a little <laughs> bit, but um, but but I, I don't know how much we've we've set up. This is the uh, the Thanksgiving special episode. Yes. And I was talking to Robbie, and and he was like, "Yossi, with your great wisdom, what what movie do you want to do for Thanksgiving?" And I'm like, "Thanksgiving, 
we're gonna do the Princess Bride, <laughs> and and let me let me elaborate on that because a couple years ago, I think it was 2018 or 19, 18, uh, the Criterion Collection, who we pray to, um, Every day. they put out they they put out Princess Bride, and my mom was like, "This is a great movie." I had seen it once or twice before. The first time I saw it was in maybe seventh grade. And I was in the back seat of a cramped car, and so I don't think I got the full effect. I'll just I'll put it. It didn't seem like the classic movie experience. I could imagine. Um, or you know, under different circumstances, it was the perfect movie experience. But maybe that's not the movie for. It. Anyway, so so my mom got the the Princess Bride, a uh, very nice criterion, by the way. But uh, once again. I'm talking about visual things for a podcast, but it, like, it looks like it looks like a little book. Hey, we both we both yeah, we both okay. brought it. <laughs> and and like Thanksgiving of that year, I think Mom was just like, "Why don't we make Princess Bride a Thanksgiving tradition?" Just just out of nowhere, like, I think she just wanted to watch it, and it was Thanksgiving. <laughs> She's like, "I've got both my kids in the home. We're gonna do this." So that's what we did. And so now in my head, a great movie, by the way, now in my head, it's just sort of a Thanksgiving movie um, because Thanksgiving is such a weird holiday and it's difficult to make good movies about it, of course, except for uh, uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it's like Thanksgiving as a holiday is also very weird to me because it's like being Jewish it's not. It's like one of the secular secular holidays that we do celebrate. It's like I didn't do Halloween growing up. You know, the whole Christmas thing is a bit. You know, like Jesusy, Easter, yeah. even more Jesusy. <laughs> Arbor Day, I guess. I don't know. But like Thanksgiving was one of the ones where where uh, us Jewish folk were like, yeah, I guess so. But but at the same time, that holidays all around. Like spending too much time at friends and family's houses, eating a lot of food, and then just like schmoozing for a while. And that's basically what your average Orthodox Jewish family does every week on, on Saturday on Shabbos anyway. So it's just kind of like, no, well, now we're going to do it on a Thursday and we can watch TV. So it's always been a weird holiday in my head. Yeah. Um, and so. And also, just like, well, how do you make a Thanksgiving movie? You can't. Exactly. Well, you can, but it's it's like Thanksgiving Day being the the nexus of a of a holiday or a movie is is very strange. But that's not really any thoughts about the movie. The movie itself, very good. <laughs> um, it's it's like what 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 most amazes me about it is how effortless uh, how effortless it feels. Um, yeah. Which of course it's not because no movie. Is effortless. <laughs> yes, but but just the smoothness of the writing and the direction and the acting, it's just it's just like a well. It's like just like a good good movie. Yeah, and that feels weird to say because now it feels like everything's an event, right? Um, I might be getting ahead of myself, but it's like <laughs> okay, there was the Eternals. That's an event, uh, no yes. matter how you see that. Uh, Eternals particularly. Yeah. Um, and even like the new Wes Anderson movie, which I watched again yesterday, and oh my god, it's so good. But it's like it's like that's not just a good movie. It's like that's an event. It's like the new Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big deal, um, even though it shouldn't be. It should be like a dime a dozen type of thing. But it, it feels like more recently we've lost that sort of like the mid budget good movie. It's just a good story. Yeah. Anyone can enjoy if they've got 
you know, five brain cells minimum. <laughs> um, and and it's like we've lost that. And that's, I think, part of what the movie is really is. is first of all, it's a, it's a movie called The Princess Bride. And if there's anything that boys hate more, <laughs> it's princesses and marriage. Exactly. Okay? Two things. So, so, so coming out of the gate, it's, it's kind of like the first five minutes of La La Land where it's like, if you, this is not going to be for you, step away right now. Um, and so, and so it's, it's a, a really a flex to, to be like, here's a movie that for all intents and purposes can be like the, the most girly thing ever, you know, from like if you're 10. Which yeah, is the framing device, <laughs> um, and then being like, "Hold up, it's great, and everyone can like it." Yeah. and you know, again, we're we're so concerned with like demographics now. It's like this movie oh, man, is for yeah. the twelve to twenty-four <laughs> year old guys who don't get out of the house much, and that's what <laughs> a lot of movies are these days. And you know, not that those movies are particularly bad, but it's like it feels like you're limiting yourself. To, to be like, this is for this demographic. And I think that's part of what, on a more meta level, this movie is talking about, or yeah. at least, like, exampling. Because, like, the movie starts with Ben Savage in his bed, and he's playing video games, he's playing baseball. It's like, there's nothing more, like, American boy than that. <laughs> um, and, and you see his room, and it's, like, the 80s, and it's like, oh, consumerism, demographics, selling yeah. things to children. And oh, then his yeah. grandpa comes in, and, and he's like, I've got this dusty old book that I liked when I was a kid. And first of all, you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> old things, I hate it. Which, if I were to show this movie to my kids one day, God willing, um, they're probably going to be like that as well. Like, an old thing? No, 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 no. But then they're going to be like, it's great. Or I disowned them. One of the two. <laughs> anyway. So, so it's like really showing as an example, as much as we think like, uh, the new Spider-Man movie is made for me, a fan, since I was, you know, a toddler. There's, there's room to be like, here's just a really good story that anyone can enjoy, and it transcends all the arbitrary uh, limitations that, that, not that we put on ourselves, but that I think, like, companies that make movies often put on us. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, movies, like... The Princess Bride, like you said, they just don't really get made in the same way anymore. And no. like, and you go to a yes, theater, sir. and like every movie is just like, oh, you're like, oh yes, yeah, so that movie for that like event kind of thing. You like, can either watch so Paw many... Patrol or The Suicide Squad or The Green Knight. Those are the only three <laughs> options. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, and then that's a real experience I had when I when I went to see The Green Knight. It was like a poster for Paw Patrol and The Suicide Squad, and I'm like, oh my god. Um, but and it's also so weird to think this is a weird movie, thinking about like Rob Reiner, um, and like his career. And I think a lot of people already talked about just how crazy his directing career is. You know, it, it's like it's like we've got we've got this is Spinal Tap, this <laughs> When Harry Met Sally, All the President's Men, yeah. Misery, just these wildly different movies that are all great in their own ways, but. It is just sort of a testament to, like, you know, being really good at storytelling, no matter the, the quote-unquote, like, con confines of it all. Yeah, definitely. And just thinking about, just, just thinking about what, it, what a guy who understands so much about human nature and filmmaking <laughs> on, on such a, a, a refined 
and applicable level that you can make these wildly different movies in this crazy home run stretch. Oh, and Stand By Me. Um, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> and, and, like, they're all good, and they're all different, and, like, what, you know, like, you could have a director whose specialty is, like, I'm really good at action directing, and then, you know, it's, like, no no shade on Christopher McQuarrie. I was he's about to mention brilliant. Christopher McQuarrie. Oh, my God, yeah. No shade on Christopher McQuarrie. He's brilliant. He's incredible at what he does. I wish him all the best things. But at the same time, if your filmography is, like, Jack Ryan and then writing The Mummy and then three or four Mission Impossibles, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, not that you have to branch out, but... You know, there is something to be said about someone who has the flexibility. Yeah. So I feel really bad about, like, bringing up Christopher McQuarrie now because he's so great. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's like having the ability to be so good on a base level at telling stories and, and conveying human ideas and feelings through film that, you, that, like, it doesn't matter how you're doing it. It's going to be good. That is wildly valuable because at the end of the day, it leaves you with more than the sum of its parts. If, you know, if you have like classic fairy tale trappings like you do in this movie and then, you know, but what's really going on is is this great story about people and whatnot, then yeah. all of the quote unquote aesthetics of it, not that they're not important, but <laughs> it, it falls away to the larger sort of importance and greatness of stories in general, which is exactly part of what this movie's about. There's, there's the story framing device. Yeah. Pretty great one, mind you, uh, as framing yeah. devices go. <laughs> and, and, and the story behind the story behind the story being <laughs> William Goldman, um, you know, writing this... The, it's, he wrote the screenplay and he wrote the book the screenplay yeah. is based on. Yeah, I found and, that and, out and last night and I, it blew my mind. Yeah, I was oh, like, you what? didn't know? Yeah. There's nothing I love more than a credit that says screenplay written by so-and-so based off their book. That's always yeah. a great credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, wow, that's a different kind of flexibility right there. Um, but yeah, no, he, he wrote the book for his daughters, I think, who are like, we want a princess star. It's like, all right, fine, I'll write one, which is always the, the greatest flex ever, just to be like, this is my job and I can do this. And as, I was like, yeah, it was, well, I think the story was, what do you want a story about? And I think one daughter said princesses and the other one said brides. <laughs> and then he turned it into like such a great thing. Oh, so man. I think the book, I haven't read the book, but I think the book itself has a similar framing device of like, uh, this is a book written by someone, you know, like 50 years ago. And, you know, I'm William Golding and like restoring or like, or I think he's, like, making the Reader's Digest version. So it's really funny. I think the idea <laughs> is that he's, like, taking this book he remembers reading when he was, like, 10, and he's yeah. cutting out all the boring parts and, like, exactly. slimming it up and making it, uh, <laughs> you know, like, really cool. And that's how the movie feels. It's like, there's not yeah. uh, an ounce of fat on this movie. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, because with the framing device of the grandpa and everything, it gives the, it gives the opportunity for the movie to kind of jump around the more, quote-unquote, boring sections of the story. You're right. Yeah, so I I, th I thought that was brilliant. Um, yeah, and and it's also just so funny when <laughs> exactly in like in like the eel part when it's like <laughs> mm -hmm, eels, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you pass that part, it's like oh, and then he picks her. It's like it's so good, and it's like it's crazy how there are two levels of illusion working in this movie, and both of them are compelling. Yeah, like that just means it's like that's 
also a, like everything about this movie is just such a flex. I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, Rob Reiner's filmography earlier, and I had actually just heard about Misery for the first time. I think like a week ago, and I added it to oh, my yeah? watch list. I had no idea he directed it, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait oh, Misery minute. is so good. I watched I watched Misery. I think that's actually the first movie I watched this year. I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if they, if they started at 2021 with Misery? <laughs> so that's that's my my what fifth visual joke of the the podcast. Anyway, um, yeah, I can't so, wait to see so, it, man. It's, it it oh, looks so awesome. Good. It's so good. No, so like I watched Misery, and and it's just a similar thing where it's like this is so good. The acting's on all levels. Everything's so compelling and and strongly done. It's. I don't even know how to de- like. I don't know how to describe. And like when Harry met Sally, I don't. I watched that recently. Um, but it's it's so. It just uh, like wraps your. Uh, I'm I'm babbling now. But like, yeah, yeah. How do you wrap your head around being so good in all these different movies? There's just like a crispness and a clearness to everything, and an understanding of it all. Because at the end of the day, it's like, well, what's the story? Usually, it's about. People. And so if you understand people well, whether it's a fantasy story, a rom-com, a mockumentary, uh, yeah. a horror movie, a courtroom drama, the really important thing, being people, is going to come to the forefront if that's what you're focused on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about it. The, the entire film... Uh, just has such a sense of togetherness, like everyone knew exactly what to do. And I think that's definitely a testament, not only to the screenplay, which it's a great screenplay. I browsed through some of it yesterday. Um, It it does such a good job defining the atmosphere and the direction for it. And also Rob Reiner's direction for the cast is great. I think Yeah, it it all just meshes so perfectly. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's in my opinion, so crazy about it. Cause I mean, um, I was going to mention like, like my parents, their siblings, they all loved this movie. Like they could quote every line of this movie. (laughs) You know, what's funny. This, this is a side, a side thing. Isn't it kind of funny how whenever you hear someone quoting this movie, it's always like the most annoying characters. <laughs> like, like people always want to be like, inconceivable and marriage and liar, liar. It's like, I was like, oh, God. it's like those parts are great in the movie, but it's yeah. always all, it's like, it's like on top of that, I'm so sorry, Micah, but, but like as a side thing, as a screenplay thing, the trust to have a kids movie with like very sophisticated language and speaking and emotions. Oh yeah. And just trusting kids to get that because the thing is like okay, a kid might not understand all the words the characters are saying, but they get the vibe, which is yeah. more important. I'm sorry, Micah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So like like my parents really love this. Their siblings love it. Like we we grew up with that, and like the just the entire feeling you get of this movie, like you were saying, it's such a digestible movie. It's such a good movie that like almost anybody can watch yeah. this and and everything is so tight. We were Robbie mentioned it uh, while we were watching it last night. Uh, like before you even know it, you're like midway through the story. Like yeah. it just it just goes yep. and it flows so <laughs> seamlessly while it does so. Right. That's and crazy, I think man. again, this being a podcast, I'm out of my element. But <laughs> like visually Something I love about this being an 80s movie is your two options are either the most gorgeous, like, <laughs> England countrysides imaginable or, like, uh, an obviously fake but still beautiful set. Like, I think 
I don't know if, if I'm getting ahead of myself once again, but I think my favorite <laughs> scene in the movie might be the scene where Wesley and Inigo Montoya first meet and they're about to have the duel. I think that's my, or and the duel. I think that might be my favorite scene in the movie because it just, that, that cliff top set. Oh man. It's so, it's so fake, but like every rock is beautiful. <laughs> the rope right. is beautiful. The background being this like, this like uh, a watercolor dreamscape. Whenever they like do a stunt or something, the ground is obviously <laughs> like padded with with like sand over it, and you yep. can see the sand ripple, and you see a little bit of the mat. It doesn't matter. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. Um. I mean, that's something. That's something like what you said earlier. Like movies just aren't made like that no. anymore. And like there's so much. And I was even mentioning just the fact that the film itself, the film that they were shooting this on, I just love the look of it. And <laughs> yeah, like, it's it, it's it, always funny to think about actual physical film. Uh, for those who don't know, I am addicted to it. <laughs> beside the point. Yes. Um But but I, I was like I was watching this last night, and and it looks so crisp and clear. And you get up to it, and it's so like grainy, and things are black and like unclear. And then you step away. It's like it's like an impressionist painting, yeah. which is really gorgeous. And and you you just sort of like look at it and you're like, what is this mess? You step away. It's the most crisp, clear, beautiful thing. It's like your eyes really are playing a trick on you. I mean, that's what movies are. Yeah, we're gonna get very like <laughs> wide scope on this podcast. <laughs> movies are an illusion, and so they don't have to be real. They, they can never be real life, quote unquote. Exactly. Um, and so I think. I don't want to like bash this. I'm, I have my letterbox <laughs> pulled up on my computer, and there's a little like there's a little like ad talking about Black Widow, and you know it's like she's flying through the sky or whatever. <laughs> Again, no huge disrespect to Black Widow, but it's like, listen, <laughs> there there's something charming about not knowing that it's fake, but it's like the fakeness doesn't like dissolve any of the impact it has. Exactly. But still. An incredible scene, and you get to see like so much about like the character, and you like I love the part where Wesley's still climbing up, and <laughs> and Inigo he's like taking the sword and he's playing around with it, mm-hmm. and, and again like like uh, Mandy thinking like his makeup, it's like the scars so oh fake. my god, but also but also his story <laughs> about about like how he got him, it's like you can imagine that very vividly, exactly. and so there's still something working in your head. I think. As as like as visual effects advance, um, there there's something sort of lost about trying to affect things in the viewer's heads. I don't want to. Well, I do want to, so I'm going to bring up the the overused <laughs> example of Jaws being like, well, they couldn't have oh, the shark yeah. all the time because it kept breaking, but also <laughs> that made you more scared because you had to imagine it. Exactly. Um, I forgot how visceral that movie is, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh my! I watched. I watched like the first time I saw Jaws. I think I caught like the second half of it on TV when I was 11. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this. I'm a, I'm a big boy now. <laughs> nope. No. Oh, boy. Anyway, yeah. great movie. Different movie. Maybe <laughs> so I'll be actually, back one day to talk about it. Anyway, actually, so. Uh, um, oh, yeah, here, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say it's actually something uh, that I was thinking about a lot when um, doing one of the recent videos I just did on my channel, my My Dinner with Andre video, mm-hmm. the way that that movie taps into something that movies have kind of forgotten. And it's a very specific example because it was two theater guys doing a movie where they literally just <laughs> talk to kids. each other. Those theater but, uh, kids. <laughs> but like that, that sense of theater 
to movies has kind of been lost. And that was a lot of what, yeah, like so much in like the theater uh, (laughs) is not very real looking. But yet it very much taps into you in a way that you don't care. And I feel like a lot of older movies can have brilliant storytelling and a very real feeling story Mm -hmm. with effects and kind of things that are much more stage and much more uh, like poor makeup and stuff like that. Yeah. And and, and this sort of reminds me, a couple weeks ago... On the uh, on the Criterion Channel, yeah. <laughs> um, I I watched one of their like Saturday matinee movies uh, called The Prisoner of Zenda, which I was thinking about while watching this movie because it's a similar. It's from like 1952. It's one of those like Technicolor like yeah. uh, swashbuckler movies, and it's like about a British guy who goes to visit his like cousin second cousin whatever in this i think made up uh eastern european country and so second cousin <laughs> is like the the i i do wonder if like it had some uh influence on grand budapest hotel just like a little Ooh. bit like the set design and stuff yeah um or maybe just like the the trappings of eastern european countries are so ingrained that it doesn't say, matter i've seen i've seen like clips from that movie oddly enough oh, yeah? yeah and i i can see what you're saying definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. Interestingly uh, enough, a good uh, movie. I was in a I was in a play where one of the main plot devices was that that story. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say he was in a play where they mentioned Prisoner of Zenda. I was like, I was like, oh no, I'm gonna bring up this niche thing, and you guys were like, no, 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 we know what you're talking about. Yeah, All we right. know it. We know it. <laughs> yeah, but but that movie, I don't I don't need to like describe what happens, but I think it's so funny that it's like the the king he's supposed to get married, but like there his brother wants to take over and then his brother like poisons the king but he doesn't die and so his cousin is like i guess i since they look alike and they're playing the same as like i guess i gotta marry this woman anyway and and it ends with a sword fight good movie um (laughs) um and and the thing about that movie is like it looks so fake there's like a shot where where the boom shadow is in the oh, shot no. and I'm like, oh, no <laughs> and and that always takes you out of it but i'm watching it and i'm like getting really pumped during the sword fight cuz it's like what if he falls exactly and and it's like that's the thing when when black widow falls out of the sky you're like yeah she's going to be fine <laughs> but when two guys are sort of like hobbling up a staircase with fake swords or real swords i don't know which one is worse um <laughs> it's kind of like oh my god what's is the princess going to be okay is what's going to happen in the kingdom how long is this poison going to last blah, blah, blah. and and there's what what's i think interesting about 80s movies of this era i think it was like really kicked off by star wars and you have it with indiana jones and Maybe like Gremlins as well, and a lot of this Amblin Ooh, stuff. Just Spielberg's is, influence. <laughs> yeah, but it's the sort of thing of like taking a thing you liked as a kid and being like, I have the resources to make the best possible version of this. Exactly. And it's not a remake. Like Prince Sprite isn't a remake of anything. Star Wars isn't, well, it's a remake of a Kurosawa <laughs> movie, but it's not a direct remake. Exactly. And it's like, it's like now I feel like we sort of have this hubris of like, we're going to remake this classic movie the way it was meant to with good special mm. effects and yeah. by the paint by number filmmaking and it's like oh we've got jamie fox in this now everyone loves him <laughs> i don't know why well I, I do know why i was thinking of the annie remake for some reason <laughs> oh, which i haven't man. seen but oh, i was gosh. i was talking to someone about it's that bad. and i'm like isn't it weird that they remade annie <laughs> and they're like what i'm like yeah jamie fox is in it that's weird 
Anyway, but 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 it's it's like this thing of discounting the greatness that can come from really good storytelling and filmmaking. Absolutely. And being very vague and like waxing poetic here. I was about to say, Yossi, Yossi has been like a poetic rant about The Princess Bride for the last 10 minutes. And I'm here for yeah. it. I'm good. Yeah, we're okay. We're good. This is going to be a, a podcast of unusual size. I'm afraid they do exist. I'm sorry. Exactly. But this, but this, just, might, take our, this might take the cake for our longest episode. Hey, we'll have to no, see. Oh, okay, well, then no. I got to stall. I'm going to like take a break. I'm going <laughs> to read the newspaper. Guys, you're about these current events. Yeah. Obama just passed this bill. Hell in this newspaper. Anyway, um, it, it's like, like such like part of the fun of the princess bride more than a great story and great characters and all that is just seeing these like good things executed so well and simply like, for example, the scene where Wesley and Buttercup are rolling down that hill. It's very funny, but also, I don't think the hill is that steep. They just sort of turn the camera to the side. And, this hill is and like, like a you cliff. know this. And as a filmmaker, I'm looking out for this. And it's still really effective. And oh, it's yeah. that really funny thing where, like, if they were to say, I don't know why I'm, like, ranting about digital effects. They're <laughs> wonderful. They, they've made so many amazing things possible. That being said, it's like, if they were to just you know, make a fake kill with CGI, the answer is like, oh, it's a fake kill with CGI. This, it's like, I know how it was faked. That's still really cool because you have something to think about. Exactly. Not to discredit computer-generated workers. They are underpaid and oh, God, they yeah. are overworked and it's very <laughs> unfortunate. And the the thing is that it's it's sort of like as much hard creative work goes into it as a viewer thinking about it, it's just sort of like, what do you imagine? You imagine sitting in a room and typing away and coming up with code, I'm sorry to say that's not very dynamic or interesting. <laughs> if you think about them setting up the shot and being like, if we put the camera on a tripod and turn it this way and do the performance this way, there's more for you to chew on in the actual like grammar of how it's put together. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, and I that's the only thing, if you notice it, if you don't notice it, it's still like a funny, <laughs> engaging scene. It's like, wow, that's a steep hill. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I have yeah. I have a really big yeah. love for for practical effects in general, and mm -hmm. in their use of them in a certain way. Take something like um, like Pan's Labyrinth, where so oh. much is practical, <laughs> but then they still do use CG, and yeah. sure, it's dated enough that it well, kind of doesn't look great now. Well, well, but well it the, blends well. The the brilliance of Guillermo del Toro is that blend of like, like the shape of water. The creature is a real creature, but his eye his like eyelids are CG. Exactly. So, like, yeah. so he can blink, and it's like enhancing things. And in terms of, like, special effects, I think that's part of what makes James Gunn's The Suicide Squad uh, an interesting step in the advancement of digital cinema, um, being, like, there are things in that that do feel, like, I don't know if I'd say fakey, but, like, obviously CG, but things that are also real. And it's, like, this weird blend of things where it's, like, the use of CG and the idea that it can age and might not look great is used thoughtfully uh, as a stylistic effect. Exactly. And that's, if you're going to be using, like, any special effect, you have to think about the goal shouldn't be to make this real. The goal should be a different aesthetic effect that can only be attained this one way. If you can if you can do it with CGI and you think it's going to make the viewer feel this, then mm -hmm. do that. But if your goal is just, it'll look real if it's CG. <laughs> it, I, I hate to break it to you, but, like, I've seen, I've seen Fight Club... 
I've seen, <laughs> you know, like other things that were touted as this is brilliant. Actually, you know, Fight Club's a bad example because the CG in that, while it has aged, it's aged in like an almost charming way. But, yeah. but there are other examples, I'd say maybe around like 10 years ago, where it's like, it's so photorealistic and it's like, ah, but there's something <laughs> else there. Yeah, it's not cutting it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, take something like uh, the host, uh, the monster. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Is uh, not, you need to watch the, it. I, the monster I know. Does not I'm, look I, real. This is, I, I'm so mad. This is a side tangent. Um, <laughs> my local. That's what the podcast is. I'm so sorry, guys. But 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 um, right after Parasite won, my local indie theater, which is mm-hmm. you know one of the greatest places, they lined up a Bong Joon Ho retrospective, and I'm like, okay, I've only Ooh. seen Parasite. I'm going to try to catch as many as I can in theaters because that would be great. Yeah. This was scheduled for starting, like, March 16th, 2020. <laughs> so that didn't really plan out. That didn't turn out so good. Oh, gosh. Um, and out of bitterness, I still haven't caught up with any of his filmography <laughs> because I'm still holding on to that help. I'm like, I need to let it go. It's been almost two years, but... <sighs> But yeah, so uh, the host creature <laughs> yeah. doesn't look real at all. Oh, like it's no. CGI, mm-hmm. oh, and it, it does terrible. not look real in the slightest. But I think what they did with it is they knew it wouldn't look real, and they and they kept it simple enough that it mm-hmm. looks good. Exactly, it doesn't yeah. look real, but it looks good. <laughs> I was gonna bring up actually uh, Speed Racer on that front because yeah. Speed Racer is one Racer. of like my all time favorite movies, and the CG <laughs> in that does not look real at all no. ever. Um, <laughs> That's not the point. Exactly, but it chooses its visual style and its visuals are some of its strongest elements and it uses that to its advantage in a lot of ways stuff that you wouldn't be able to accomplish practically right i think when we're talking about special effects i don't know why why we went down this (laughs) rabbit hole but but if we're talking about special effects and their usage there's so much more to think about than just the the does it look real is it whatever it's like well it's a special effect what is it affecting (laughs) Yeah. yeah you have to think about about performance and about the use of it in the story. And, like, David Fincher, a guy who I both adore and frustrates me so much, <laughs> it's like, why is the paperclip CG? Why? 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 <laughs> I don't notice it. I feel on a level that something's off. And maybe that's his point. Maybe, like, like with something like uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I can perhaps maybe just, like try to give him the benefit of the doubt of, like, listen, if he's trying to make you feel uneasy, having a paperclip that is CG <laughs> so that you, subconsciously you know that's not a real paperclip, but it looks real enough, and it gives this effect of, like, mm, something's weird here. Fine, maybe. With Mank, where he's trying to be, like, <laughs> this is, this, like, like I think in an interview, he was like, I want Mank to feel like it's a, it's another film that was found in some archive from, I'm like, no, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like a Netflix movie. <laughs> if you want it to look like it was shot on film, shoot it on film, shoot David. On you film. have the clout to do that. Yep. Um, if you want it to sound a certain way, like, like, there were all these things he could have done that he just chose not to do because yeah. he felt more comfortable another way. And I, I, like, it's just, it's just the sort of thing of, like, well, what is it you're trying to do and how do you want to do it. Yeah, and if you know is. that like a CG elephant isn't going to look real, don't make <laughs> the realness of the elephant be important to the story. Because yeah. you can tell he if it's real CGI or not. When you're watching so Citizen weirdly. Kane, if you're watching Citizen Kane, you're like, whoa, that's a real elephant. Exactly. If you're watching Mink, you're like, this elephant looks fake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> and like and like his uses of CGI and like his whole filmography are just weird. Like digitally yeah. adding like hair onto Jake Gyllenhaal's hands. And <laughs> oh my god! Zodiac. Oh my god! The Zodiac CG. Like there's just oh so, such weird stuff that he does use CG for. And it's not that it's like aged badly. It's no. just like it's just like you know. Like, do a Pixar film then. I don't know. <laughs> like, if that's what you're going for... Yeah. Call up... Uh, who's, who's in charge of Pixar now? Oh, gosh. Pete Doctor, is probably. It, I is, don't it, know. is it... Is it... Is it... Doctor? Is it, um... Pete oh, Doctor? It Pete I Doctor? don't know. I, feel I like think he, he took might, over because... I, he did, uh, he's directed a lot of their movies lately. Because I know um, What's-His-Face left. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, but, I think... I think Beside the point, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was about to say, wrapping um, it back around to The Princess Bride. Wrapping I really it back think, around to the m- movie. <laughs> I think, uh, like, the production design and all of the, like, obviously the practical effects, the costumes, the costumes. all that stuff <sighs> lend themselves so well to building the kind of cozy sort of storybook atmosphere mm-hmm. that the entire film is built around. Mm-hmm. It's and, also... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the thing of, like... Even if you have, like, a makeup effect, that's not the greatest. And first of all, there are makeup effects in this movie that are great. Billy Crystal <laughs> yeah. and his wife. Oh, yeah. Great effects. Um, but it's, it like, like also just having a quote-unquote kids movie with, like, that <laughs> level of respect to the costumes and the cinematic language. That's a vague statement. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I get what you're but, saying. But, yeah, but, but having, like, a... Uh, both a simplicity and uh, an elegance to it where exactly. it's like nowadays it sort of feels like we're not going to spend this kind of money on <laughs> it's it's like it's like it's like there are the five movies that get nominated for best costume or only three movies that get nominated for best costume design and then all the rest of the movies are like eh, it doesn't matter they're just clothes but it's mm. like you see some of the outfits in this movie and it's like that's storytelling you see like the buttons and the the string wrapped around and the fabric and the different yeah. shape of it. And it's like, that's integral and that tells you something. I love Humperdinck's little neck collar thing. It looks great. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, yeah. and that's the thing. If, if you have a movie where people don't care about that, I mean, the, the devil's in the details. It's, it's like you wouldn't bring that up if that wasn't a thing that was there. And that's not like crucial to the movie. They could have saved... I don't know, 10 bucks without having that, that how yeah. much do collars go for in the 80s? <laughs> but, but they could have not included that, and it's like, well, then we wouldn't be talking about it. Exactly. And you find all these little things that you love so much and all these details, and that's what sticks with you. And you could yeah. have, like, the best green play in the world, but if you execute it in an unmemorable way, then what's the point? Exactly, and Other you than brought up you brought up IP. earlier you brought up earlier um, the fact that uh, well I kind of interpret this movie as kind of a tribute to like storytellers in general yeah and yeah. you can tell that like the entire uh, like crew and everything the writing team were definitely trying to tell a story like all of the departments mm-hmm. the costume design the mm-hmm. production design that sort of thing let me let me let me also just say yeah real quickly uh, this movie. I forgot who was shot, but I actually could pull it up right here. Um, but thinking about Rob Reiner, well, once again, um, it's just, it's like, I think uh, When Harry Met Sally was shot by, okay, this movie was shot by Adrian Biddle. He's, yeah. Okay. Anyway, he shot Aliens. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, um, 
but I think uh, when Harry Met Sally was shot by Sven Nikvest, mm-hmm. who was like Ingmar Bergman's cinematographer. Yeah, yeah. And then came over and was like, that is unheard of. <laughs> what? That that would be, well, okay, I guess we have a, a similar example, but um, well, the guy who shot the new Edgar Wright movie, well, he all shot It, but it's like he he was doing all this crazy stuff, I think, in South Korea, mm-hmm. and then he comes over and it's just like, doing crazy great stuff but but then it's like a rom-com is doing that exactly yeah yeah <laughs> you know rom-coms aren't made anymore if they are they're made by netflix and if they're made by netflix nothing about them <laughs> is memorable <laughs> imagine having like a world-class art house cinematographer shooting billy crystal and just like a nice sweater <laughs> it's magical stuff it's true it's true <laughs> we're still not talking about the movie at hand i feel bad about that <laughs> all right all right um how about this what what did yeah. you rate the princess Bride? oh yeah we did we oh i gave it yet. i gave it a, a four and a half stars i guess this is a letterbox themed podcast so i gave it a four and a half stars i always sort of feel weird about rating things yeah because i feel like my my understanding of movies has grown in a way where it's almost past that, but at the same time, it's like, I still want to, you know, say, like, good job. Exactly. And so most yeah. of the movies I see, I I don't give less than, like, four stars. Not because I'm like, you know what, they tried hard. I'll, <laughs> I'll give it, like, if I see a movie that I don't like, I'm not going to give it that many stars. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, I, like, usually I watch a movie, and I'm like, I like this. This is good stuff. So I gave it a four and a half stars. And if, I, if it had any, like, detractors, I can't come up with anything where it's, like, I didn't like this. It's just sort of the way I usually write movies isn't like comparatively. It's not like, well, this wasn't as good as The Godfather. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's sort of it's sort of like, in my opinion, what are the heights it could have reached and how much does it live up to that? Like in my head, not some sort of objective yeah. uh, list to cross off, but just sort of like and I'm like, the o- my only complaint, if you can even call that, is just like this should just be like even greater. Yeah. And I don't know how you would do that, but just <laughs> like just like what it's doing, I'm like, I just want more of this more intensely. Yeah, I mean I gave it I gave it four and a half as well. Yes. Yeah, and the reason I. I gave it four and a half <laughs> and not five is just like and, and we we can get into it a little bit uh, later too, but like there are just certain elements in it that just don't click for me personally in certain ways. Which ones? Um just some of the story structure and pacing mm. in the second half of the movie. Yeah, I was about to say, I mentioned, uh, he mentioned that this, like, this section of the movie while we were watching it was his least favorite part, because I, I think the pacing does get a little rocky around, like, breaking into the third act. Mm. Um, but that's, like, my only, the only time I'm ever bored watching the movie is during that section. Yeah. And even then, I'm not, like, bored, obviously. Right. That's just the least engaging part for me. Um, but, yeah, that's... Like I said, or basically like you said, um, it, I just want more of what the movie's already giving me. You know? Exactly. Like, yeah. And and I try not to rate comparatively as much. That's I so toxic to, if people try and do I that. try to do, like, I try my best to just be like, okay, what did I experience when I, right, had, when right. I watched this film? And exactly. what would I rate like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I Yeah. <laughs> which is why, which is why I have some very controversial ratings on some films that I think are um, great. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like I did, I, I didn't give like I gave like 2001 like a three and a half. I'm so, I'm so upset yeah, with I you, think, Micah. Wait, wait, what was what was the one? Was it the Lego Movie? Yes, the Lego yeah. Movie. He Can gave you, it like, an punch eight. him for like? And no, this is a visual medium. I just want to hear the slap on the podcast. 
Oh, <laughs> why would you do that? You terrible, terrible human being. <laughs> Lego Movie is the greatest, and you deserve it. All right, it's true. I, it's I feel, true. I feel uh, avenged. Man, now. the Lego Movie. I don't, I don't know. We need, we need to do it. We need to do an episode with you on the Lego Movie because oh, it's one of the I best animated gladly. films of the decade. One it's of the great. best movies of the decade. True, true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that completely unironically. Um. <laughs> Beside the point, everything's <laughs> yeah. the point. So, Ravi, but, uh, what, is, what are your, like, because I, I feel like uh, I've kind of talked a little bit about it. Yossi's talked about it. Uh, what, are, what are your, like, initial thoughts? Oh, if you just want me to, on, yeah, on I, figured, I figured we'd kind of wrap up the opening thoughts segment uh, since it's gotten very broad. <laughs> Wait, um, this is only but, opening thoughts? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, but, yeah, um, to sum up, to sum up my thoughts unusual size. on um, The Princess Bride. Uh, I think you might need some context because this is a unique movie in my personal yeah. like cinema adventure, if you will, <laughs> uh, because this is one of the first movies I got to watch when I w- was like old enough to watch it, you know, because mm. there's a little bit of blood, a little bit of language in it. Yeah. When not very 16, much at all. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, like, <laughs> all right. Time to crack open. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was like late one night and uh, I was I think I was like. 13 or 14 and they were like hey robbie you want to stay up and watch the princess bride i'm like oh uh, i'm so sorry to distract to i love yeah. how there's the one curse word <laughs> in the movie and it's so perfect because you're watching this exactly thing so oh impactful. my gosh it's great i would not change it for the you world were, you were younger than that though robbie was I, I? I watched this movie for the first time when i was like 11 okay so was... i must have been i must have been like nine or ten or something like that um but anyway, I was I was like, I don't know, the Princess Bride, that sounds kind of lame, right? Like, princesses, brides, yeah, as awful. Yossi was saying earlier. Yeah. And then they were like, no, no, it's fun. You're, you're going to like it. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'll stay up. And then, like, before I knew Classic it, like, five, five minutes in, I was just completely sucked into it. And it's... It's an amazing yeah. film. And, and it's, like it's great. Like you were saying with your specific experience with the Thanksgiving wise, like this movie ha- kind of has that kind of interesting kind of experience for me too because when I was then because we were living in our basement together like me and Robbie were sleeping in the yeah, same room yeah. together and whenever this would happen, like me just being <laughs> interested and being not wanting to like miss out on anything i would always like ask him about the movie and i remember like questioning him on like every element of this movie when he got back from watching it and like i was just like so excited and it was that kind of like experience for me because our parents like loved it they referenced it all the time and watching it for the first time when i did i had all of this like build up in my mind and it and it fit so perfectly into that so it was very like an impactful movie for me when i was really young yeah, but um, like speaking to the quality of the film on the whole, uh, as I mentioned before, it does a great job at constructing uh, a narrative that everyone can enjoy to mm-hmm. an extent. Um, it does a great job curating its atmosphere. The performances are all fantastic. And that's what we're thankful for. Exactly. Uh, uh. <laughs> I just realized what you were doing. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, thankful? What are you talking about, Yossi? And then I remembered. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I think it's just a really delightful movie, and that's really what it comes down to. So... You've, yeah. you've kind of summed up your thoughts let's, on it. Let's get into, to, since we we have talked about yeah. it for like a good decent amount, let's get into <laughs> questions about it. Yeah, let's dig into it, man. Questions. 
Yossi already mentioned his favorite yeah. scene. So, Michael, what's your favorite scene? So, if you had to just pick one. So, this is a hard question because, the, like, again, so much of this movie and so much of my favorite parts of this movie flow so fast. Yeah. Like, this movie is just going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's one of those kind of movies that's hard to pick uh, a favorite scene. It'd be like trying to pick a favorite scene from Scott Pilgrim or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, and it's I hate doing this whenever we have, like, guests or even when me and Ravi agree <laughs> on like favorite scenes but I'd probably agree that like the cliff scene and in even that whole sequence to that's when fair. Vicini yeah. dies <laughs> like that's kind of my favorite stretch of the whole movie yeah. and I think it's so brilliantly put together and it's funny and the set stuff is amazing and the acting is great the choreography <laughs> is awesome like I, I just love wholeheartedly that section of the movie. Well, well, similarly, when he's pushing him against the wall and the rocks, the rock sort of crumbles, like, that's the fakest set you've ever, not oh, ever yeah. seen. But, and you're like, oh, no, he falls. Oh, God. Right? Like, no, yeah. I, love, I love that moment when he pushes him against the yeah, rock. Yeah, and, and the rock sort of crumble. crumble. Oh, gosh. Oh, brilliant. And, and I love I love the, the trapeze bar that has <laughs> the two parts of moss. I don't know if those were left out or if they did so much practice that it wore away. But they just like so perfectly swing around that <laughs> and then arms. land on the pad when yep. the sand poofs up. Ah, so uh, good. It's beautiful. Like, That's that that is a sequence to for the ages, I and, think. It's one yeah. of my favorite sword yeah. fights or just fights in general in any movie. It's a good fight. But also I, leading up to it. Just mm-hmm. thinking about like the sportsmanship of like <laughs> sending down the rope and waiting and exactly. telling the story, yeah, and like, like just the image of tossing the sword back in his hand while he's waiting. Yep. Um, there's something that like sticks with me so much about that because it's not like as, as you know we've talked about this movie being like go 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 go, but at the same time having that moment to just sort of like sit there and wait. Yep. Something about it feels really, like, mature and thoughtful to me. Yeah, so so I was actually about to mention that, like, when I watched this movie for the first time, I, I had never seen anything like that. Like yeah. him, like, giving the rope and then them waiting and having that conversation. And I think that's kind of where this movie shines on the whole, like, as, it as doesn't, a big It doesn't thing. speak down to anyone. Exactly. exactly. And, and, yes. it, and it takes its time. As much as, like you said, it's very, the pacing very flows together. It always takes its time to mm-hmm. get you to connect to the characters. Right. You immediately connect to the two of them like you want you don't want yeah. any of them to die and that adds even more tension to the fight because you know they're fighting each other and you don't want either of them to die yeah. you just got an amazing heartfelt introduction to both of their characters that's also funny and like it was something that just blew my mind as a child that like because again like he pulls out the sword and it's like mm, here look at my look at the sword as i tell you this story before we try and kill each other yeah, <laughs> yeah it has and, such and, a great and, elegance to it you're right. It, it works. It works like um, expositionally and as a story. It's just like a good story he's telling, but it sets exactly. up his whole quest. <laughs> yeah. No. It's yeah, great. And it, and it even speaks to the character like so well of like how his like his entire character could be summed up in just that scene, just that conversation. Yeah. And that it's just it blows my mind because <laughs> it's just also such a great scene and does such a great job at doing everything it needs to. There you go. What about you, Ruby? <laughs> if I had to pick just one scene as my favorite, I might go with... Oh, that's tough. I should have been thinking about this harder. Uh, <laughs> I think I would probably go with the uh, initial, like, 
kidnapping of the princess and all the stuff on the boat with the shrieking eels and stuff like that. Oh. I love that. I love that scene the so eels. much. The, I forgot how creepy the eels are, the man. Eels oh are my but again, gosh. it's that thing where it's like they look so fake, but it's like, oh no, the they're eels. Like exactly. Physical things. Yeah, they're physical. Yeah. Like something, with, something with that big of a mouth is like, coming at right. you in it's real like, life. Even if you know <laughs> it's not a real eel, you still don't want that thing to be anywhere near you. Exactly. Yeah, it's oh like it's like it's like the ROUS is still they they very much oh look gosh. like people in like <laughs> <laughs> but like they're still like you're still very like oh my gosh this ROUS is on top of him eating his yeah. shoulder off. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of my that's maybe like one of my <laughs> uh, other favorite scenes is is just like it's like, like I was watching him like wow this uh rodent looks so fake but also how's it walking like that? How are they doing exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah, I oh, I kept wondering that while I was watching this time around. I'm like, how are they? How are they making it move like that? What is happening right, right now? Sp- uh, bring bring something back. There's one shot in the Prisoner of Zenda, which mm-hmm. I I wouldn't call like a brilliant special effects movie, <laughs> but they do have they do have the two uh, they have the one actor playing the two characters, the main guy and his cousin, mm. and in like most of it, they're in different shots. Um, and I didn't realize that they were the same actor, which is you know a testament to whatever. Um, yeah, but there's one shot where where it's not that important, but like the king sitting in his chair and the British guy, he like walks over behind the chair and reaches into the table and like, picks something up and walks back to his chair. It's not that oh, important wow. for some reason. <laughs> in like 1952, they're yeah. just like, yeah, why don't? It's like we're already doing it easy. We're already just having them in different <laughs> shots. I did that when I was like, you know, ten or whatever, yeah, learning yeah. how to do things but but they just was like he was like goes and picks something up and it's like wait a minute what how did they do that <laughs> it's baffling yeah definitely oh my gosh i i love moments like that in like older movies where they don't like, yeah they don't have to do it they don't, they don't have, have to do it to but do they it. go for it yeah right it's great uh i, I have another question though um yeah okay Go for it. What do you think uh, of, like, all of the pit of despair stuff? Because, uh, (laughs) objectively, that is all of my least favorite part of the entire movie, is when it's focusing on the pit of despair and everything like that. What do you think of it from, like, a storytelling standpoint, its use, and, like, just Um, in the movie? I think just, well, first of all, it allows us to have the brilliant (laughs) bit where Wesley is coming back to life and his head keeps flopping back. Great physical yep. performance. Outside of that, like, it, like on its own, it's. I think it's one of the less interesting bits. Yeah. It's sort of. It sort of does fit into the um the the Joseph Campbell hero myth story where it's like, and this is where he dies. Yeah. Yep. And I think just sort of being like, like like oh th- this is the part where he dies and you're just like oh my god he's dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's no good. That's not how the story's supposed to go. Like, that can't be true, Grandpa. Yeah, um, yeah. It it really, it sort of allows it. It's sort of like a like a like a piece of tape. It sort of allows the more shiny parts to shine because of it, even if it's not the most interesting part. I think that there's the one shot, the wide shot of the contraption working with all the moving pieces. I do love that shot. Yeah. Um. There's just something like manic and. A dangerous feeling about oh, it. Oh yeah, definitely. No, um, I, lo- I and love I also the think, way the machine feels like yeah, on screen with the water and like it's like they mm-hmm. have the calligraphy for the numbers, but then it's like uh, a rusty <laughs> water wheel turning. <laughs> yep, so great. But but also there's something really freaky, and this speaks also to like 
the special effects conversation we're having where it's like special effects, part of the special effects is just the performance. It's like this machine in theory is sucking life out of Wesley. <laughs> oh yeah. That's absurd. They don't have like a magic glow or a dust or a makeup aging effect. It's just sort of like he's just like writhing in pain and yeah. then and then the dude's like I have sucked one year of your life away. And you're just like shocked. You're like, what? No! <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not like, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like a lesser part by comparison. It's still a good bit. Yeah. Like, and, and that's my thing. That's, that's what trips me up about it. And that's why I specifically wanted to bring it up because I like mm-hmm. the pit of despair. I like the jokes that they have in there. I like mm-hmm. how creepy the machine is. Yeah. And I, I even like the whole, like all of the stuff that it leads to with Wesley dying. But yet during like... Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> during like that he part dies, of the movie okay. and a little it's bit okay. before, like all the way until you get back to um, Aniko and... Uh, I just lost his name. Who? Fezzik. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, right up until you get back to them, and not saying, like, oh, I need my comedic relief characters <laughs> for the movie to be interesting, but I feel like the movie kind of, like, halts in a way that I yeah, don't I, like. I was, I was thinking about that, too, when it cuts back to um, them and uh, Montoya. He's, like, outside. Is it a bar or whatever? And he's, like, sort of drinking. Yeah, that that I it was sort of like a weird thing. I was like, yeah, we haven't been with them for a while. At the same time, it's sort of like there there's something about that halting of like, well, guess I failed. Where it sort of feels like he's been here before, mm-hmm. and this is a sad like like we don't think about it because he's on the mission for the movie. But his life being simply revenge. The last twenty years, I imagine, would mostly just be similar scenarios. We're just like sitting there being like, guess I'm a failure. Can't avenge my father. Yeah. Um, and I think seeing that, even if it halts in a weird way, mm-hmm. gets you to think about how more impactful both his revenge and, at the end, being given a purpose, the, the Dread Pirate Roberts, is, like, for his life. So getting to see that halt, I guess, reflected in a way that's sort of characteristic of his entire life and then seeing what it leads to. Because since he's introduced, he's been... Mr. On a mission, got my things together. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then to have that moment of realization of like, no, his life kind of sucks. <laughs> I think even if it slows things down, it's important for the sake of ramping it back up and making the actions of the last bit uh, more impactful. Yeah, I was going to mention uh, the pit of despair thing adds an interesting dimension to Count Rugen as well. Like, he's mm-hmm. not yeah. just like some weird like guy we don't know much about the whole pit of despair adds a dimension to his character and that entire section of the movie yeah. as you mentioned adds some more depth to indigo's like entire yeah. emotional th- arc i think the right. problem i have with it is that it's it, it is such a brilliant use of storytelling like mm-hmm. everything there's not that couldn't i wouldn't say there's a <laughs> single thing in here that you could point out and be like ah oh, this is completely pointless why was this in yeah. here yeah but like oh well someone could but th- those people aren't worth listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, yeah. from a broad story standpoint, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this story is so tight and well put together. Every moment, every like Dread Pirate Robert bit, everything is tying into characters and their motivations and pushing the plot forward. And I love that about it. Um, and, and I totally agree with what you guys said about like the pit of despair and even like him being back and being drunk a bunch and all of that. 
but still, I don't know what it is. Like something about that stretch of movie. Yeah. Kind of, it doesn't feel the same way to me. Like, it I, doesn't. I don't, I don't feel very magical about it. And not even like, oh yeah, everything's going wrong. That's right. not it. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It, it. I mean, I think I get what you're saying. I just think for me, it doesn't detract as much as it might for you. Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't... I, yeah, there, there's something about it, I guess, that feels a little bit less... It I, it does make me wonder if, like, part of the filmmaking elegance is a, a story thing where it feels like why we enjoy it so much is because, like, the story's flowing and that accentuates the filmmaking. Exactly. So, who knows? Maybe, like, the filmmaking's on the same level, but because of how the story is functioning... It doesn't feel that way. I don't know, but that, that brings up a really interesting question about, like, how all the different pieces are, you know, they, how they integrate, how they affect one another. Yeah, so, it's definitely. Worth up. No, it's, it's yeah, it's it's not a huge, huge thing for me, too, obviously. I mean, I still really love this movie. I gave it four <laughs> yeah. and a half stars, but this you was, only, like... You gave it, like, two and a half stars. It, you, you still really liked it. <laughs> still still a great movie. <laughs> still this is brilliant like... movie. Never seen anything better. Ah, two and a half stars. <laughs> two and a half. But there were some like, problems. This is like the only moment, and it's been consistent too. Like since it has a I plot was... hole. I don't like that. Oh, darn. <laughs> since I was but a young lad, this section yeah. of the movie has always kind of bothered me, and I've never really yeah. been able to pinpoint what it right. is because. Uh, like, like obviously, from a writing standpoint, I still think it's really brilliant. I was about to say, intellectually, the movie makes perfect sense, but for some reason, that part just doesn't flow or mesh as well as other sections do. Right, yeah, and I, just... I wonder, I wonder if that's the, if it's even supposed to, if that's the point. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, maybe that's just me wanting to defend it, for some reason, <laughs> which I've been doing for you know an hour now. But yeah, uh, it it you know maybe. Like, like uh, the point of a movie isn't supposed to be... Well, it's not supposed to be anything, but I don't think it should be, like, this is... I'm just looking now. Adrian Biddle shot Bridget Jones' Edge of Reason. Never mind. Um, <laughs> um, and and <laughs> the movie, uh, it, it shouldn't be to be, like, a delivery of, like, like, oh, this is the great, nice moment, and there has to be yeah. some sort of variation of feelings and vibes. And so... You know, there are some movies where, like, things flow perfectly, and then at the end, you're like, well, that was sort of, like, frictionless, had no texture, even though, like, intellectually it works perfectly, but doesn't stand out. So I feel like for this movie to soar, it does have to have that sort of, like, wider range of feeling. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Definitely, I think there's something we said about that, but at the same time, if we're saying, like, favorite scene, least favorite scene... (laughs) <laughs> well, putting a scene in a vacuum, it might not be the greatest scene, but at the same time, there are there are movies where, like, every scene's a good scene, but that doesn't mean the movie as a whole is as great as other movies. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, that, the whole scene question is just a fun kind of yeah. breakdown. It's of just a fun thing Something you podcast. enjoyed. Yeah, something Anyone you, yeah. can have a podcast now. Even <laughs> I'm allowed to be on one. Um, so, you, you know, we it. can say whatever we want to say. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You, could, you could say literally anything. <laughs> you can say anything you want. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> do you have any, do you have a, like another question? Because I was trying, because yeah, during the main discussion part, we just try to do questions, not really something, to like yeah, specifically something more to... be questiony questions, just to kind of break us into specific Yeah, something topics. to kind of spark into a topic we were wanting to talk about. Um, I was going to mention how you guys, I don't know how you felt about like the narrative framing device on the whole. We mentioned how I... great it was, but we haven't talked... Um, like yes. a lot, a lot about how why it's great, you know. Well, I, first of all, <laughs> cracks fingers. Uh, <laughs> Peter Falk. Yes. Oh my God. I love Peter Falk <laughs> so much. I've seen. Th- here, here's my embarrassing admission. I've seen one and a half episodes of Columbo total so far. It's like my favorite show ever. I think it's like conceptually, like I haven't watched a lot of Columbo. I haven't like been binging it, but I think conceptually, something about Columbo has just been stuck in my head. And it's like, I want to talk like Columbo. I want to walk like Columbo. I want one of his coats. I want to have all the cigars, even though the cigars are gross, but I just want to have them. Exactly. And I want to be like, hey, just one more thing. Um, but, you know, his his character here... Well, first of all, this, this kind of brings something I never thought about before, but, like, the last shot of the movie, uh, other than the credits, mm-hmm. but um, where where the kid says... Grandpa, can you come read the book tomorrow? And he says, "As you wish," with a twinkle in his eye. Mm-hmm. It like like on a on a first view, it's like, "Oh, that's a fun callback, great way to button the movie." <laughs> I don't know. I might be giving you know the the like seventeen geniuses uh, involved in this movie too much credit here, but but it, you have to wonder like in the context of this movie. What is the greater meaning of the Princess Bride to the Peter Falk grandpa character? Exactly. Because it's like, in theory, this guy probably fought in World War II. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're talking about, like, this book he read when he was a kid. There is something to be said about, like, like this guy reading uh, a book as a kid. And when he was a kid, that was sort of, like, the last time before the World War's... Or maybe it was like born in between World War One and Two, but yeah, you know, like like that was literally the last time where a swashbuckling adventure of this type really happened in yeah, the world. Yeah, I mean, the genre kind of kind of died after the wars. Yeah, yeah, and and to to think about like that was something that stuck with him so much, and then we had like World War Two and Vietnam, and then we're back in the eighties, where <laughs> beside the Cold War, it, things are sort of feeling like. Yay, America, we got all this consumerism, things are good. You can play baseball at home, and it's a video game. And, like, I love an 80s kid's bedroom, but at the same time, it's like, he just has a lot of merch on his shelves. Yeah, yeah. To sort of to sort of come in and be like, here is a story. It's not a franchisable IP. It's, like, something that means something to me on an emotional level and represents something we don't have much anymore. Yeah. There's something about that that's, like, really impactful. Right? And it connects way deeper than you'd think it would. Y- yeah. And again, it could just it could just be like, that's a, a nice button. But at the same time, it's kind of like, dang, like, how important of an event is the story to this guy? And, like, reading it to his grandson and the grandson liked it. And and I think that's a I think that's a testament to the to the movie and the acting and the writing on a, on yeah. a whole that you even exactly. that your the mind that that even would wants to, you. to think about that because right. yeah. like you think about these people and I and specifically like the grandpa and 
Fred Sapp. <laughs> uh, like, they, they connect with you in such a way, and I think it's part of what makes the framing element so good, because you essentially become them in the course of the movie. Yeah, uh, right. And so many of the things we've mentioned have kind of been like, yeah, you're thinking about these things, and then you're like, yeah, exactly like Fred Savage's character. I don't remember the kid's name. I was about to say, the movie <laughs> kind of takes the role of the grandpa, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the, that's what's so great about it. But and, but also just like the grandpa ness of it. We're talking about like mm-hmm. details. There yeah. is nothing more grandparent ish <laughs> than coming to the sick kid's house and giving him like a nicely wrapped copy of a book that's like 50, 60 right. years old. Right. This book is ancient. And like is I'm pretty wrapped. sure my grandma has done the exact same thing. <laughs> and so something about that that small gesture of like I'm going to give the kid a gift. Oh, is it a new video game? Is it a Lego set? No, no, no. It's this really old book I've had on myself but I'm going to wrap it really nicely. Something about that, that thought process. You could have just yeah. walked in with the book and it'd been like he picked the book off the shelf something about him like imagining peter falk sitting down being like ah the little kid he's sick i'm gonna <laughs> read him the story he he takes the book off the shelf he looks at it and has all these memories about his life and then he takes out some wrapping paper and wraps it there's something almost profound about that where yeah. it's like that small gesture alone spans an entire lifetime yeah exactly and and like it's almost like, uh, and and like you said, a lot of a lot of the eighties, the eighties was like the big boom of consumerism in America. Mm. It's insane. <laughs> Reaganomics. Like, the the Woo-hoo. childhood is like childhood is completely different. And like I like to think of it as like he probably like, in in terms of like thinking about the impactfulness of the grandpa's past. Um, probably growing up when he did, if it was, and timeline would make sense for being mm-hmm. in between world wars, that was not a great time to oh, be Oh, right. There was the kid. Great Depression. Forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoops. Slipped um, my mind. And, and, I, and I love, and I love the thought of like it being the grandpa, like looking at the book and like giving him the gift of the childhood that he never had, the childhood yeah. that he had to live through the book. Right. Yeah. And, um, like I just think it's it's so crazy how good this movie is that we're thinking about these I was about things. To say, I exactly. Didn't, I didn't they, they did maybe like one or two days of shooting, <laughs> and we're like, but what about his? He doesn't have a name. What about his life? What was it like growing up in the '30s? And and sort of like that that sense of generations, and also just like the the generational flex of being like, hey, this thing that's really great, it's still really great, and the kids love it. Exactly. Take that video game baseball. <laughs> And there is there is something to be said about like timelessness, because mm-hmm. um, this is a sort of a timeless movie. Yeah, I was going to bring and, that up actually, because it's yeah. sort of become like a cultural juggernaut. Like everyone loves this movie, yeah, as like, far as I can tell. Like, uh, like our far, parents I, showed it to us. The, we're probably going to show it to our kids. exactly. Yeah, and, I'm going to show right. it to my kids for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's it, crazy. It 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 is very weird to just sort of think about. In, in a sense, like, like we, there, listen, there are a lot of podcasts out there, and I've gotten so many offers, but I said, no, I'm going to come on this podcast. Turn them all down for this. important to say. I said, no Joe Rogan. I said, no to Conan. Uh, I said, call. no to Houston Coley. He was like, go take over the podcast. I haven't been doing podcasts much. I've got a new life in a foreign country. And I said, no, I'm going to do Robbie and Micah's podcast because I want to talk about just how how important it is to have something that that lasts and there's nothing that you know is more immortal than podcasting 
Um, <laughs> of course, of course. But 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 just sort of just sort of things like we talk so much about what is the next step for the MCU. You know, it's like how important is Patton Oswalt's character in the new one? Um, yeah. And it's like you know, it's like we're concerning ourselves with things that won't really matter in three months. Exactly. Um, but but you know. Our, our sort of culture, the way we look at storytelling being this thing that's, like, disposable and, like, we're just getting a little bit till the next one. And for the record, I, I quite enjoy the MCU. It's yeah. a nice ritual. It's fun. It's a good TV the, show. A good, <laughs> a good show. Um, it, there, there is something to be said about, like, something... That, that has a shelf life and that means something beyond what it can do for you immediately. And if we're going to talk about Eternals, which I don't know why we are, but I think, <laughs> I think one of the... I, I, I like the movie by way. It's not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. Kind of in the middle of the road as far as the entire MCU goes, in my opinion, so far after this one viewing. There I think it might be the only MCU movie other than Guardians 2 that has more to offer on rewatches than the first watch. Because I think a lot of MCU movies are designed around... It, it's a little bit sad, in my opinion, how much the MCU has just been like, well, we have to talk about it. But, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's the sort of... It's, it's the, they're designed around, like, the experience of opening night. And I love that experience. The, I, I love going to the theaters opening night and being, like, so excited when the theme song comes on and yep. whatever. <laughs> but But it's like... I don't know if any subsequent viewing of any Marvel movie again, other than Guardians 2, has gotten better than that night. Yeah. And I imagine Eternals is a movie where you can watch it again and get more out of it the second time and and like think about it more. So that's exciting, in my opinion. Yeah. But again, yeah. if we're designing uh, low power mode. Um, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. If we're we might need to take a break. But it's like yeah. if we're designing movies around the idea that like you watch it once and it's like oh it has a huge opening weekend and then no one ever talks about it again which is sort of like the netflix model and sort of what disney is is turning towards i'm like okay there's <laughs> cacophony of notifications and sounds now anyway um it's sort of like if that's what we're going for has like has anyone talked about raya and the last dragon as of late <laughs> We did it on the podcast. And that's it. I have not thought about it since then. Yeah, it might be a perfectly okay movie. I haven't seen it, but it's fine. It is a perfectly fine. fine movie. It's a perfectly fine movie. But you have like perfectly fine Disney movies from the seventies that people still talk about. Exactly. That's weird. Yeah. There's something about like it's not about the movies themselves so much, but more about the culture, where it's like we don't want to hold on to something more than when it's quote unquote relevant. And, like, what makes something relevant and what makes something good, quote-unquote. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of thing, and, like, 80 movie, 80s movies have the advantage of being canonized now, which is a, a different problem. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, oh, oh, Gremlins, that's untouchable. Everyone loves Stripes. I'm sorry, I don't love Stripes. Stripes <laughs> is a bad movie. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Bill Murray, good. Everything about it, bad. Uh, beside the point, it's, it's the sort of thing where... Where, like, there's movie going, and then there's, like, 
uh, a movie experience. Again, I'm waxing. Oh, I'm so annoying right now. I'm waxing poetic <laughs> about all this. They don't have hey, the vocabulary. I'm, I'm eating it up, Yossi. No, I'm this, is good. Right. this is great. Hopefully, <laughs> all the listeners at home will too. Um, but there, there's just there's something to be said. I don't know what that something is. I like it. Uh, I, I like movies where it feels like it wants you to have more than the two hours you spend with it. Exactly. Yeah, and no, I think this movie sticks around for a while. Yeah, and there's something really special about it. Because if you think of a movie as a product, if I were to get really, like, uh, <laughs> commercial brain and, like, business guy brain, it doesn't make sense to have, like, all right, we're going to have five movies a year, and so every two months we're going to make $100 million. Um, <laughs> I actually have and, and then it makes more sense to be like, we're going to have this one thing that makes, like, Fifty million dollars, and then for like the next thousand years, it's going to make another large <laughs> chunk of money every year because people yeah. still care about it, and they're gonna buy the Criterion, and they're gonna buy the Funko Pops, and they're gonna buy the 4K Blu-ray, and they're gonna buy the book, and they're gonna buy the poster, and they're gonna buy all the crap. Yep. <laughs> Again, there's there's like a lot of uh, uh, stuff you can sell for Ryan the Lost Dragon. I don't know who's buying it at this point. Maybe <laughs> so, it made a lot of money. Uh, although we're in COVID, so, you know, COVID time is non-withstanding, but it's, it's sort of like, longevity is important as part of this movie. I'm going to, I'm going to try to pretend I had a, a theme in mind okay. when I started okay. talking, <laughs> but, but it's, it's like this, the book clearly had staying power for the grandpa and it's going to have staying power for this kid and it has staying power for us. I can't explain why exactly, probably something about humanity you know, yeah heavy quotes <laughs> but but it's like it's really special and important and it means something and we don't have to i guess that's what the point of the podcast is, is to, to dissect what that something is but i don't have an answer for you i don't know <laughs> what is so special about this movie specifically or why i want to talk about it or why i was like yeah, Princess Bride, or why my mom was like, let's make that a Thanksgiving tradition. <laughs> it just, it's just a testament to this movie that I think we've been babbling about it for 90 minutes now. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah. And still feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. I mean, there yeah. are so many movies where you can talk about it for 10 minutes and feel like you've covered everything you have to say. <laughs> I haven't so. covered any of what I wanted to say about this movie, <laughs> which makes me an awful guest, I suppose, but here we are. I, ha I have, an, I have an, a very interesting comment, and it's something that sure. I think about I think about a lot about uh, in terms of recent media and recent movies in general. So, um, Hayao Miyazaki a while ago uh, mentioned with his movies and with movie writing in general that your characters and your world of your movie should feel like it's always been there and that it will continue to be there mm -hmm. longer than the movie. Yeah. But modern movies, the mindset is not let's make a world. It's let's make a world we can make so many movies out of. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. want to give you an experience where you can imagine these things. It wants to give you an experience where it can then make a movie, another movie about these things. Right. It's, it's not it's leaving like it for you. Your brain. It's yeah. leaving I mean, in, it for. In my, in my opinion, my my big, you know, galaxy brand opinion is that movies are really <laughs> like diving boards, because you have, like two hours you're watching the movie. But that's not how you interact with the movie. You interact with the movie thinking about it for the rest of your life, if it's good. Yeah. Um, 
And it's like Tom Hanks, I think, has watched 2001 A Space Odyssey 500 <laughs> times. And yet he's probably thought about it more than the time it took to watch it all those exactly. times. It, oh, definitely. It's this, it's this sort of thing where, like, there's so much value in the implied and the things, like you were saying, like a world you can live in and you can believe and your imagination can occupy. And that's more valuable because, again, it's like the shark. It's like Prisoner of Zenda. It's like Pick Up on South Street, which is a, a movie I watched recently that I was probably going to talk about in the recently watched. But I'll talk about that later. But it's yeah. like, like, like under like restrictions from say the Hayes Code or the MPAA, you know, and you can't show uh, someone getting brutally murdered. But you can do it in a way that doesn't break the rules, but exactly. implies a brutal murder that that is even like more intense than anything you can show on screen and more exactly. devastating. Yeah. And mm. having that skill to know to like to to know how people think and how people interpret things to show images and sounds and music and all this stuff that is going to give the viewer the opportunity to imagine something greater than than what you can show, that's the real power of cinema. I think it's interesting when people like read a book and then watch a movie and saying, well, I like the book better. I, I, I knew a person once, and this is embarrassing a little bit. She was a grown <laughs> woman who said that she hated the Harry Potter movies and mm. stopped watching them in the middle of Goblet of Fire because they didn't have all this, uh, uh, the spew stuff, but oh, they did man. have an extended, they did have an extended dragon chase sequence. She's like, the dragon chase sequence wasn't in the book. <laughs> and but uh, but they they included it anyway. That's so stupid. I'm like, well, it's a movie. It's a different it's a thing. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Beside the point, I'm like, I'm like telling my whole life story here. It's just like, like the Princess Bride, my whole exactly. life story. But um, but it's it's like it's like with a book, you imagine people looking and moving and talking the way you want them to, and so you might yeah. have a description and have dialogue and tone and pacing, but ultimately the nitty-gritty fine details are up to the reader. And so you get emotionally attached to that because you were given the fuel to create that. Movies can either give you everything and then you're not engaged or give you enough, like a novel, to spark that crazy fire that you get emotionally attached to. Yeah, it's interesting in the realm of adaptation because this is an adaptation to an extent, um, even though it was written by the same guy for the screenplay. it's interesting because this is kind of like I, I read. I read it as kind of the grandpa's like interpretation of the book. Obviously, because right. everyone picks out different details from reading mm-hmm. something, and I think that just lends itself to uh, again the kind of atmosphere and tone that it takes on. And again, while we're why we're even questioning what the grandpa's thinking and all exactly. of this, yeah, like it creates such an amazing world, and it does, and everything about the the movie is doing such a great job to not only get you super invested in the story, and you know, we started this talking about like the framing device of the movie. Mm-hmm. It does such a great job of getting you in 
to the story, both because the story is good, but also because it does such a great job of getting you into the mind of like the grandpa yeah. and the kid, and you want to care, even with like the, the two minutes of filming like that they're on screen for. Yeah. yeah. It does such a great job of connecting to people in a way that you just want to like you want to be there. You want to be having right. this grandpa telling you the story and the movie kind of takes over that for you. Exactly. And I, I think bring that more full circle to the whole Rob Reiner thing and like how can you do these vastly different movies and then be good is because mm -hmm. he just like I think part of this is maybe like a comedy background and like what great comedy is is an understanding of people and how to know how people work and then like trip them up and so that's unexpected and that's a laugh I'm yeah dissecting the frog as they say but <laughs> you know uh, it like having that comedy understanding and then being like I know how people work I'm going to use that to give them something that no, that, like no, like showing them can. Uh, it's like exactly. we don't see the Dread Pirate Robert's ship, but I have a vivid image in my head of what that's like and what the exactly. day to days are. And that's it's, it's like the ending of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, oh. In the in the ah oh, right <laughs> exactly right? That, that's how I, I might, feel about I might the have ending. To be, a it permanent guest amazing. on the show because I just I just want to talk about Close Encounters <laughs> forever. Um, it's like there there's the original version where they didn't have enough money and it was kind of rushed. Then the re-release version where it's like you can do the stuff you wanted to do if you also show the inside of the ship. And then the mm. ultimate version of Spielberg was like that was one of the biggest mistakes of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, gonna take out the ship. So I haven't seen the inside of the ship whenever like if i if there's like a bonus feature where they're going to show it i like close my eyes i'm like i don't want to know what it looks like yeah that's like that's for me and that's more emotionally powerful than being like look how cool the spaceship is <laughs> and so just like yeah. being able to know how people think and how people engage with things and get emotionally attached to stuff if if i was an annoying twitter or oh, sorry if i was a more annoying twitter user, <laughs> I could say, like, movies are just, like, emotional manipulation. It's like, yeah, kind of, but that's good. Yeah, no, um, it is. It's like, knowing how to do that is a crazy skill to have and an insight that goes beyond technical knowledge or any sort of formatting yeah, or structure exactly. or any of the things that, like, YouTube videos teach. You could know how to write the quote-unquote perfect screenplay, but if you don't know how people will engage with it or... Not that you have to control that, but if you don't have an understanding of how a story works in your head, then it's not going to stick around anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think what was um, like one thing that was very interesting to me is that, uh, and it's one of the things I love about like '60s, '70s, and '80s are probably my favorite years of just movies. Not <laughs> it's, even it's the perfect all of in between of technology. Yeah. And limitation exactly, exactly. so yeah. so what we have now especially with like you said like cgi and i have nothing against cgi again no artists they're Brilliant. great underpaid overworked yeah. people <laughs> yeah um Ugh. but like we don't have limitations really anymore for big no. movies nope it, you you can show on screen whatever you want same thing with like even even content of movies as much as i don't like restricting content of movies like we don't have pretty much any limitations you don't have to be movie. as clever as you used to have to be exactly yeah so so now m movies that have become such a big show of a thing of like such I hate saying like movies have become <laughs> such consumerism type things but they really have in the modern era 
a lot because of Disney, but that's a different topic. Um, I wonder how and, well this podcast is going to age. Are, are, are our kids going to listen to this podcast? Are they going to be like, Grandpa, please tell us about this podcast you did when you were younger. Oh, we talked about companies that don't exist anymore or are our government now. Yeah, I was exactly. about to say, Disney's going to remember Disney by Florida or something. Yeah. Um, but like it becomes this thing where if they don't have any limitations on what they can do and they have massive budgets and they know that they, again, combined with the fact that they have like this idea of, no, you can't just make a movie to make a movie. You have to make a movie to make a product and make a franchise. It becomes this thing where you lose the entire uh, <laughs> I can't think of a word for using that tense of tangible like is tangibility i don't think that's a <laughs> yeah. word but your entire like attachment to yeah it, i think it is um because it's just a thing it's not a it's not a i don't know how to it's not a story in a way that it connects with you it is a a product at the end of the day and i hate that because i can still get stuff out of these movies and i'm yeah. not taking and also any movies back away. in the day movies have always been products oh yeah always. no yeah. and i'm that's, not saying like oh these are these changed. are some these are some holy things, like in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Yeah, back those when are movies just, were good. Those are just back my when movies were eras. good, like w- the cat who had sunglasses or whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like right now in this very time yeah. and what is big. It's not that good movies aren't still coming out. It's not that these movies don't have merit. It's just my personal connection to the movies that are coming out right now are just so much lower when it comes to like mainstream and how right. like. The 70s is actually my favorite um, mm-hmm. decade of movies in general, and it was one of the worst financially times in the movie industry ever. Movies just weren't getting put out as much. Yeah. Disney almost shut down animation entirely in the yeah. 70s. Like it was, it was a terrible time for the movie industry, <laughs> and it made some of my favorite movies of all time. Right. It, it's interesting about that. First of all, I just want to warn you. I've got a... Sorry, once again, to break the podcast magic. I have no. 10% left on my phone. So either I can plug in the phone and the audio might get messed up, or we could take a break uh, soon and, and like I can recharge my phone and get like some water or something, and then we can keep talking. Or <laughs> you want this is an excuse to get rid of me. But um, I think if we're going to like wrap up this bit a little bit, just sort of thinking about, like, well, how do you approach a movie? How do you approach a story? How is it valuable to you? How much, like, how much of what we're talking about is the culture? How much of it is actually the things being made? Mm-hmm. Um, and how much is that all intertwined? I think, like, there's definitely something to be said about the internet and all this talk about movies and, like, yeah. two-hour YouTube videos about something people forgot existed. <laughs> And it's it's sort of like, well, you didn't have that back then. And there are merits to all of this. Not that everything going on is bad and it's great. Yeah. We have more voices now and more opportunities to make and see things that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. But those things also, like, if those things are important, if we're going to have, like, more diverse stories, not for diversity's sake, but because, like, these stories are interesting and should be seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if we're going to have these things that are, quote, unquote, important, well, then we should not forget about them after two months. Mm. Yeah, it's and, it's and like it's like people complain like oh we have all these movies people always talk about it's like uh, all these white people you know <laughs> as, as three white people talking of on course. a podcast <laughs> about a movie full of white people 
uh, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, Mandy Patinkin, uh, a very Jewish Ashkenazi guy playing a Spaniard. Yeah. Say what you will about that. Um, at the same time, it's not like because these people are white that we're talking about this movie. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> stereotypical example, like Do the Right Thing has lasted the test of time. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and is something to talk about forever and is brilliant. <laughs> There are lots of other movies like this. It's just sort of like, unfortunately, now that we have more opportunities for more diverse and interesting stories, it it happened to coincide with a period where movies are becoming disposable. Yeah, yep. definitely. And that's really sad. Because, yeah, it's not, it's not that I think any of the MCU movies are just valueless pieces of, like, <laughs> garbage that Disney yeah. is pumping out for money. It's 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 a lot like you were saying. It's a lot of the culture. It's a yeah. lot of the mindset that's going into these movies. There there that... are like this might date the podcast a little bit. There were, <laughs> there was like a major Spider Man leak last night. It's like, do you not want to see the movie? <laughs> do you not want to see what happens? No, there's there's so much, and, and, and there's so much, and I hate to say just comic book movies always because I mean that's just what's big in movies right now. That is, it's, like, a, it's a good lens a to view the movie industry on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the the comic book movie thing going on right now, like everybody is so obsessed before the movie ever comes out, like picking yeah. apart every detail. Yeah, this, yeah. This 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 this, and then the movie and then comes a week out, after the movie, they're like out. yes, and then they forget about it, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, it's, and, and it's that like, doesn't always happen. There, are, no. Of course, everybody has personal experiences with movies. People can love a Marvel movie that People came out People talked about The Last life. Jedi for a very long time afterwards. <laughs> and that's yes, a good thing, did. as annoying as it was, that, that was a testament to the movie being interesting. Exactly. exactly. It's an yeah. interesting uh, Also, movie for the record, Last Jedi, uh, best Star Wars movie. Continue. Yeah. Okay, but Empire Yossi. Empire is still there. Empire is amazing. Very good movie. Okay. <laughs> For the record, The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie. That's the official uh, stance, the official political opinion of the recently logged podcast starring Rob and Micah. Yossi Sloan is not affiliated. He is merely a guest. All opinions are owned in perpetuity by Rob and Micah, even though they're mine. Um, <laughs> Am I covered legally here? Yes. Yeah, I should make you sign good. something. I should sign something. Anyway. Our lawyers are our lawyers are saying yes. They're, yeah, they're, they're right nodding to us. Good. Yeah, good. They're like the Ken the Hat lawyers who just stand exactly. there. Ken the Hat, also official opinion. Ken the Hat, good movie. Good movie. Uh, great, great movie. Great, great movie. movie. I love that movie so much. <laughs> Unironically though, good movie. It is. It's great. Yeah. Bo Welch. I wish Bo Welch had directed more stuff. I love his production design work yeah. that he did with Tim Burton. Um, that's most of what I've seen of his. He stuff, did. A, but... He did a, the series of unfortunate events on Netflix. Yeah. <sighs> of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. Yeah. <laughs> that was his big return to directing after Ken the Hat like scared him off from it forever. That movie yeah. is shot by Emmanuel Lubezki, and I believe is written by like Seinfeld writers. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Bo Welch See, I knew, so much. I knew Bo Welch did production for a series of unfortunate events. I didn't know that he I had I had awesome. no idea he was attached to that at all. But then again, I, I wasn't really that familiar with Bo Welch back when we watched it for the first right. time. Barry Sonnenfeld was on it, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Barry Sonnenfeld. I should I read love his, his book. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was, there, was a great, there was a great Barry Sonnenfeld story. There was a tweet someone made where I think this woman, she was uh, an extra on one of the Adams Family movies. So her and her mom go to set, and they see Barry Seinfeld sitting in the director's chair doing nothing. Everyone is, like, working hard, picking things up, and he's just <laughs> sitting there, 
like doing nothing, and his mom, the person's mom, is like so confused, and she goes up to Barry Seinfeld and is like, "Excuse me, are you the director?" And he goes, <laughs> "Scary, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like so good. Ooh, yeah, no, I can't. W- I've been trying to get Micah to watch the Adams Family movies with me, just because of how much I love like Men in Black and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> also, also. Great cinematographer too. He shot like the early Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, he. It's rocks insane. It, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like Blood Simple is, in my opinion, like one of the best looking movies. I cannot wait to watch ever. Blood Simple. I, I oh keep, my god, it's, I keep like glancing at it whenever the Criterion sale comes around. Yeah, Blood and... Blood Simple is uh, maybe a perfect movie. Who knows? <laughs> uh, who knows? But yeah, um, just just for time's sake, since I know you were yeah. going, do we have anything else we want to to add or to mention about the Princess, the Princess Bride, Bride itself? I feel like things are winding down. I yeah. yeah. Once again, <laughs> let's take a small break, charge my phone a little bit, and then we'll be right back after this message from Mattresses R Us. Mattresses R Us. <laughs> we have them. You need them. Take a nap. Take a sleep. Um, not in our store though. We've had lots of issues with that, <laughs> and we've seen this uh, ad where we're not affiliated with this. Someone is like throwing eggs onto a mattress, <laughs> and they don't break. Someone tried that; they broke. Very bad idea. Like no eggs in the store. Um, we got a also, <laughs> we also sell antidepressant pills, and <laughs> we have um, balloons that that uh, uh, cure cancer. Okay. <laughs> oh, you use this special code uh, recently logged to get three percent off any uh, sticker that we sell. We sell stickers too. <laughs> and if you want your face written or like drawn into the mattress, we have a guy who does that. He's not on our payroll. He will do that. We've asked him to leave, but we've given up at this point. He just stays and he does it. <laughs> Mattresses are us. We are located inside the mall. Yes, that mall, not the other one. <laughs> of course. I know the mall very well. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, we all, we all know the mall, of course. We all know the mall. <laughs> oh, and we know that there is an Auntie Anne's, like, right across the hall. If you're getting one, your fingers are all buttery and salty and gross. Do not come into the store. We're sorry. We hate to alienate customers. Yuck. Don't do it. Keep your pretzels at home, you weirdo. Keep your pretzels at home where they belong. <laughs> How could you be so vulgar as to eat pretzels in public? Gosh. What is what is what has this country come to? Anyway, really? buy your mattresses, uh, please. Oh, and if you need really? money laundered, we do that too. <laughs> Gramp, Grandpa, that that can't be how the how the podcast ends with, with an ad read. Uh, I'm sorry. That's how podcasts end now. They. There, there's just so much money in podcasting, and no podcast ads are ever scams or anything, so it's a sustainable business model, but that's that's how it's going to end for now. But, Grandpa, what about the wrap-up of, of the discussion? Oh, oh, right, I, I forgot about that. Sure, there, there's another uh, two hours to the podcast. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, uh fine, well, we'll do it. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Um, what were we talking about right before? I should have checked. Um, uh, we we were talking about um, well, we were trying to wrap things up in case my phone died. Yeah. So uh, we, we used to do the segment closing thoughts. I think we'll do something kind of oh, yeah. similar to that, just to kind of yeah. give like a holistic yeah. sort of view of how give we feel a, about it. 
to a end holistic it off. view of the movie. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> of course, a complicated piece of art. Just a sum nice, it up. <laughs> a nice bow. Yeah. All right. Um, do we want to? Do we want to go reverse order of how we started? I, sure. I, I don't care. Sure. <laughs> what was what, who who went after? I guess I did, and then you went last, so Robbie would kick us off. Yeah, or... sure. Start it off, Robbie. Uh, I think, on the whole, uh, the Princess Bride has had such a great cultural impact because not only is it well written, um, it it has a lot of heart and depth to it that isn't there for a lot of movies nowadays, as we've covered previously uh on the podcast um but i think it just is a beautiful example of good storytelling with a talented cast and a really fun kind of cozy tone to it yeah and i I think that's why it's stuck around as long as it has uh but what what about you micah Hmm? yeah i i kind of i kind of love this movie even though i don't think it's perfect i mean obviously like we said no movie is perfect quote unquote uh (laughs) but uh like, it's just, it's such a fun movie, and it's so well-crafted to the point that you don't even think about it, and yet there's so much depth there that you can think about. And I think it's a really, like, as, as you know, stupid and pretentious as this may sound, <laughs> I think it's a really beautiful movie for what it is yeah, and the it story is. it's yeah. telling. Uh, and it means a lot to multiple generations at this point. Um, and I can't sure. wait for that to continue because it's just that good of a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking something similar. What I was thinking about is that, like, Billy Crystal, he's, just, like, so funny. Like, he comes in <laughs> and he's got all that makeup on and he's given his whole bit and he's like, oh, he's mostly, or he's mostly dead, but he's a part alive. Yeah. And I think that really sums up the the movie. Mostly dead means you're a little alive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. If it's chocolate coated, it goes down. Right. In this movie, yeah. this movie, it's chocolate coated. This movie's chocolate coated. Uh, it looks nice. It feels nice. It makes you smile. Um. What else? Uh. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we talked about it for a long time. Yeah, exactly. No, and then the, we. Yeah, we've kind of yeah. we've kind of gone we, over a lot we, of the stuff already. Yeah, it, it have I well first of all have I gotten the record for longest podcast? Is this, is this a podcast of unusual size? Yeah, this is yes, going to be is. And, and <laughs> they exist. Mention, they exist officially now. Conclusively, they exist, <laughs> and we don't know how they move, but they will catch on fire. Um, yeah, I feel like. I feel like this was a, a good a good episode or a bad episode. I don't know. I think it was a good episode. I, I, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. You think it was a, a good episode? Oh, wait, no. Okay, we got to... <laughs> but okay, but like, how do we make this all wrap up nicely? Because, you know, in the movie, they have good conclusions to everything. <laughs> and now we're just like hobbling on being like, yeah, I think it was, I think it was good. It was real good. So I guess, I guess uh, Robbie... If you want to have like a purpose in life, you can be the host of the podcast from now on. I'll give that up to you, <laughs> Thank and you. I'll go live my life quietly um, with you know some someone really important to me, and that is my Blu-ray collection. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> what's what's my perfect ending? UFC, tell me. <laughs> what? Oh, Micah's perfect. Uh, Micah, you can. Uh, you can you can help Robbie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> 
wait, what is what is the what is Andre the Giant's character do? Does he get much of an he ending? He doesn't get any ending. No, he just he finds just... the horses and they ride off. Yeah. Not... <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So so you can edit the podcast. I guess there we go. that's the equivalent. There you go. There we go. Um, <laughs> Micah will edit the podcast. Robbie will host it. Big change of things. Um, <laughs> and I will never be heard of, heard from again. He's outliving yeah. his, his dream life, though, so don't worry yeah. about it, audience. I was about to say, you can just binge The Last Stand on an endless loop while he's gone. Oh, we're doing we're doing promotions now, are we? <laughs> we I, think we've, oh. I think we've mentioned The Last Stand, like, like three times. For the past, like, podcast. three episodes or something. <laughs> I love Have it. you? I... Yeah, tell well, tell me about it because I'm like here yeah. in person, um, and I I like compliments sometimes. It, I'm very re- weird that way. Like either I'm like no, tell me all the compliments, or like I don't want to hear anything. Yeah. So, but today I'm in the mood. Okay. Uh, tell me why my movie is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I was about to say for a little background, this is uh, the film that Yossi just put out. Uh, how long has it been now? Just put out. It was two months. Yeah, ago. Yeah, it was two months ago. Whatever. <laughs> it feels like just put out. It's completely irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, but um, and I I was mildly involved in the production of it. Um, not enough that it's really worth noting. But uh, oh, it is worth noting because the credits are so short that like <laughs> Robbie's name is like, whoa, they got a guy to like do things for the movie. <laughs> Because it's like, it's like a class project where it's like, I wrote it, I directed it, yeah. I edited it, I did the sound. <laughs> and then it's like, we have a guy for music, and we have the actors, and we have a guy who did graphic design. And that's Rob. Well, he didn't yeah. do all of them. He just did the graphic design. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it was really good. I'm, I'm so pleased with it. I was so exciting to like have a vision and then collaborate with someone. And then it became a thing. Yeah. And then other people saw that thing, even if it was only for about like five <laughs> seconds for each prop. But I, I cherish them. And they are wonderful pieces of graphic design. Well, thank you. I, I actually told my grandma that I designed some stuff in the film. I'm like, Grandma, you're not going to be able to find it in there. <laughs> I was like, it's it's there if you look. You should pause it sometime and take a look. But yeah, but yeah um, that's that's a little bit of background on what that is. As for yeah, when I was when I was editing, yeah. I realized like I was getting jealous. I'm like, Robbie's design is taking way too much. <laughs> Flare away from all the brilliant work I'm doing, so I've got to cut it to have as little screen time as possible. You designed around like 78 props for the movie, only four of them, up, and only briefly. Yeah, no, it was it was tedious work, but rewarding in its own right. Spent like a yes. hundred over a hundred hours working on stuff for this, and it was too much. My family, to my it. family didn't see me for about three months, I think. Um, yeah, and you were like aptly compensated with uh, a crisp five dollar bill. Yeah, I can't wait for the Criterion sale. I, if I do enough films, I can maybe buy a Blu-ray. Yeah, you might be able to buy a Blu-ray. Too bad it's also on three other streaming services. But, Whoops! You know, just the thrill of owning it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I, I really, uh, I, I got to see some of the behind the scenes stuff from it just from well, that, that's, off of that's also what I'm, what I'm interested in actually, like your perspective, Mike, because we haven't talked about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, curious, like from what you saw being behind the <laughs> scenes of someone slightly involved, what's your perspective on the whole thing? So I, I really, I like, I really liked the short film a lot. Thank I, you. uh, I remember getting like really excited just seeing some of like this like the film tests you sent him because it just looks so good. Yeah, I just love how the how the entire short film just looks. It it makes me want to be in the short film, and <laughs> I like that. That's good. And yeah. while it's while it's pretty short, it's like 
it's really fun and i like all the bits and like the lemonade stand stuff like with the whoever runs the lim- that it's really funny i don't know like i enjoyed it thoroughly i like the use of the the jokes that robbie had to use <laughs> i love how long he spent working on that on the uh the application form with all oh of the bits gosh. on the application oh, it's form. so good <laughs> um, a little a little behind the scenes i'm working on a next short film yeah this one will probably take a lot longer to make because it's more complicated. Yeah, it sounded I'm more working complex. With, <laughs> yeah, and I've been having a really hard time with the actual writing process. I, I have a, another friend of mine writing, and so I like gave him a lot of ideas, and he finally got like a first draft to me, and it's like 30 pages long. <laughs> so my job today is to like tear through that and be like, nope, yes, no, no, yes, change this, do that. It's a very weird process, but it's also exciting to be like, Here's a thing. I wanted, like, 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 like Sunday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Sunday would have been like a perfect day to shoot, like the the movie. Unfortunately, that didn't happen because <laughs> this is I'm making this more difficult for myself. <laughs> so we might be shooting it in a year. Hopefully, I might be able to do something smaller in between. I don't know, but at the same time, like a year for each short is kind of on par for me. So I don't yeah. I don't know what the future holds. I hope to be making more stuff in a similar vein and getting more and more complex but it's a it's a long timeline and i won't make any promises now because you never know <laughs> Definitely, yeah, te- yeah. technically speaking i shot a while ago um a sequel short film to my short film the space called the light oh but i have not edited it <laughs> or put the footage together or done that's anything. fascinating i just shot it this is news <laughs> to me i didn't know about this <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i have i have go. that that working on but uh, it, it yeah. gets well, kind well, of put I guess, on the back burner because of YouTube stuff that I do. <laughs> yeah. To, to tie my thing into the conversation yeah. we were having <laughs> at large, something I was curious about, though, because it's like I can I can torture myself looking at YouTube analogs, and I've never had a huge YouTube audience. Mike, you've been doing YouTube for less time than <laughs> I've been doing it and already way more successful. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, no, he's sure. I'm not a YouTuber anymore. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but it's like... You know, obviously, most of the views came within the first couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and now it's like every one or two weeks, I might get one view. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I, I I did sort of wonder, like, will this short have staying power? And, and that's sort of like a big claim or a big lofty goal because it's like short films usually aren't very good. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, most of them. Last good time. Of them. Yeah. Good portion of them. Yeah. Most of them aren't very good. Even like ones made by professionals. Yeah. You might be like. Hey, that was that was interesting. I really <laughs> like that. And then never think about it again. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sort of curious, like, will people be interested in this two months later? And now it is just over two months later. Uh, and I guess I guess some people are still interested. I mean, in I'm, so that's I still really enjoy it. I was about I, to say, I like, I will probably never forget the scene by the water right after the gloves come oh, yeah. on. I love that scene so much. <laughs> like, even if I even if I kind of forget that the short film exists, I'll be like. If I think of like scenes set even by water or in a city or something like that, I'll usually think of that. It's great. That's stuff. really interesting. Yeah. Something I like about it is that people always tell me like their favorite things being different parts of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, there's a part of me that's happy that it didn't end up being like, well, everyone agrees this is the best scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other stuff was bad. It's like some people are like, oh, I really love the part where they're running or I love this part or the music. It's like, Different things are connecting to different people, and I think 
that's what I wanted. Like ultimately, that's what I wanted yeah. more. It's not like I'm. It's not like I was like controlling the audience and making it be like. And everyone loved this scene. <laughs> it's like there was enough in there where people with different ideas and backgrounds and whatnot uh, connect to different things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. In a, in a larger. And honestly, thing. I think that's what that's what really makes like a good like a good short film um, because like the problem with most short films is that they're very one note. And like you just have that thing, and then they're over. Whereas I think yeah. I think you you did a pretty darn good job on making something that isn't just one note. Like it actually like sure it's like it's funny throughout. Like it's a comedy thing, but it's yeah. it's actually comedy never has any variation of tones ever, <laughs> never. <laughs> but it's actually Charlie like Charlie Chaplin came on screen <laughs> and is like I'm gonna fall over, and then that was it. It was cinema. true. It was it was all over. That's all we've ever done. But no, like uh. Like, I think you did a really good job of making it something where there can actually be multiple scenes that, like, people are like, yeah, this scene or this scene or this scene, because it's actually, there's actually enough substance there that people enjoy different things and can enjoy different things than just one thing it's presenting. That's, that's, that's a nice thought, I think. Substance is an interesting word. Yeah, definitely. It's like lots of thoughts and lots of feelings are going into this thing at large. And what is the substance? And because... For those unfamiliar, I, I did it in a in a silent film style, both out of aesthetic and technical limitations, um, and and because it's like a good challenge to be like, well, how can I tell the story with as little dialogue as possible? Yeah. Um, and so and so it was it was sort of like, well, you can't have a, a character sit down and say, God, I got some deep thoughts right now. <laughs> state of things, <laughs> the society we're living in, who. <laughs> Let me tell you, pretty messed up. You can't have that. So I guess I'm glad that, at least in your opinion, I pulled off being able to have some substance. And, and maybe it is like sort of like implied rather than, than dished out to you. Yeah. So No, I, I, re- yeah. I think it's a really good short film. Honestly, one of my favorite short films I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean that's that's not really saying much considering <laughs> most of them aren't good. But I, I, I mean, like I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, like I'm really happy you liked it. But at the same time, like like I'll be on YouTube and I'll be like, let me try to get inspired, <laughs> and I'll I'll watch like short films made by people like around our age or like other people who shot them on a Bolex, and I'm like, what is it that you're trying to like? N- no offense, make movies, have fun. Yeah. that's great. But at the same time, I was like, what are you trying to? do here yeah like like my short films like only one of them that i've ever made i was trying to actively do something besides have fun with it and i really enjoy it personally like uh, i mean even even then like i i enjoy the the shorts you do they're fun and and like a, a change of pace but you know at the same time i feel like i'm i'm very dangerously close to like getting very like gatekeepy and like, yeah. full of myself <laughs> you're not even going to deny it. yeah i yeah. am but but at the same time it's a little bit of like it's a little bit of like you watch some of these short films and and it's like i i don't want to i don't want to bash on anyone but i also don't want to bash on like some maybe like some of the more student ones mm. but i think more like ones that you know cost a lot of money and took a lot of time and a lot of hard work those are the ones i feel more comfortable saying what were you thinking (laughs) yeah exactly yeah like the only two short films i have ever made that i will actually say mean like 
like like obviously my like like other ones mean stuff to me, but the ones that I actually feel like happy about are ones that a was something very personal for me, and even though right. I made it when I was really young, and I like it's it's there's still something there yeah. that that is real. And then with the quote with the space, like it was just trying to capture. I was actively trying to capture a specific feeling. I was about to say, it's and a, I think it's you pulled that off incredibly. Mind. Like I was surprised how well you pulled that off. <laughs> I was a little surprised too, because I mean, like yeah. obviously, I worked on a lot of citrus and stuff like that, and I edited <laughs> some of his short films. Um, and the space is, I think, by far the best one he's done yeah, so far. I think it's, I think it's really funny too, because like all of the people that I know who like, because most people I talk to aren't like super like, oh, let me watch <laughs> short films or something. The ones they always <laughs> like the most of are like Citrus and Lizzie's Treats, the ones oh that I pretty gosh. much did as like just have some fun experimenting with like just filming anything. <laughs> and that's and that's really the way to get started. If there are any young kids at home listening in, being like, Yoshi, how do I get started in film? Make the stupid stuff that I would criticize in a public forum. Exactly. Because right? like, my YouTube channel, I'm going to regret this, you can go up and I, I haven't deleted or unlisted any of my old videos. So there are videos of me from like age 13 that go on way too long. I don't know what I'm doing. And I had to make so many of those to get a slight semblance of understanding what I'm doing to make the slightly less embarrassing short film <laughs> I'm making now. Yeah. And even that is a stretch. Like, I'm, I'm aggrandizing it way more than I should be. But it's like, <laughs> you have to make this stuff. No, yeah, like, I mean... And even if uh, a pretentious person on a podcast <laughs> is like, what were you thinking? Don't listen to him. And by that, I mean me. Make the things. You don't have to have any thoughts. Just go in with vibes. I don't know. My phone is dying once again. We didn't take enough of a break. So let's go into the final yeah, section. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, we've talked about your short film, uh, which you've is talked great. about me yeah. far too much. Um, yeah, guys, go go watch The Last Stand. There'll be a link to it down in the description if you oh, want to watch fancy. it. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Bump up those views. Exactly. Join the hundreds, technically, of people <laughs> who've seen it. And, and, and hey, while you're at it, you can also check out uh, my YouTube channel, Mgrayway Films. Oh, yeah, do that, too. It's yeah. also down in the description. It's also down in the description. But it has been for the entire season. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you yeah have I'm, no, nothing, I'm nothing special. You're nothing new. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> um, yeah, let's, let's get into... Yeah, let's, let's get into it. The Things... What did we watch? Or uh, I'm sorry. What did you recently? What did log? I watch? This? What did you recently this, log? What did I recently? <laughs> I've recently logged a handful of things. Do um, it. <laughs> in the past week, uh, starting with last Tuesday, I watched the 1972 film "What's Up, Doc," hey. starring Barbara Streisand and so uh, Ryan O'Neill, <laughs> and that is such a good movie. <laughs> and also the funniest use of a movie budget perhaps ever. Oh my gosh. Um, I, don't, I don't really want to spoil anything, but like, but like <laughs> 80% of the movie is spent in one hotel, yep. and then 20 minutes is spent on like the, the craziest, most expensive car chase ever. <laughs> And I'm just like so thrilled about that. Also, Barbara Streisand. End of comment. Let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, then I watched Charlie Chaplin's The Circus, hey. which is maybe one of the most interesting. Has some of the most interesting filmmaking in a Charlie Chaplin movie. There are like camera angles that are more 
interesting and there's a tone and like a manic nature. I mean, like I love Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. But this one specifically more than all the other ones felt like, oh wow, they're really going for it. Yeah, yeah it was it was interesting because uh, that was the first Charlie Chaplin film yeah, me and Mike oh, ever yeah. watched. Yeah, I so hadn't it, seen any other. It was wild. I was like, wow, <laughs> what what is happening right now? It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I had a really long discussion with my grandma yesterday about like movie attendance, and she was like, people weren't seeing a lot of like Charlie Chaplin. About, like people, I'm like. And then I pulled up a statistic that was like <laughs> the peak uh, attendance of movie theaters was in the 1930s. During the, it was like 65% of the country <laughs> went to the theaters every week in the 1930s. Crazy. And it's been on a downhill trend ever since. Now it's like maybe 10%. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, after that, I watched Harold Lloyd's Safety Last. Yeah. A movie infamous for the part in Hugo where they're watching it and then they got kicked out. Spoilers for Hugo. Go watch Hugo. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then it's like referencing the, yeah, Hugo is so my good. least favorite Martin Hugo. Scorsese movie. What, <laughs> I keep trying to rewatch it's my favorite it, Scorsese movie. But no, Micah doesn't my, watch my it least favorite. <laughs> Micah, you need to get some taste. Is what you need. I did not connect. Hold on. Well, how many how many punch slaps are we in for now? There's Lego <laughs> Movie 2001 and Hugo. <laughs> I'm sure there are others, but I wouldn't want to to leave this podcast with you know like in the intensive care unit. Exactly. Um, so Safety Last, that's another real interesting movie because it's one I like knew of but hadn't seen. And and it's also funny how much of the like titular uh unsafeness was part of the plot. <laughs> yeah. Like, like kind of spoilers, but but the movie is basically like this poor guy goes into the city and he doesn't have enough money. So it spends a while being like, oh he doesn't have enough money. Oh, but he he's got a girlfriend and they're gonna get married and she thinks he's made it, but he hasn't. Anyway. So he, his boss, he works at like a department store and his boss wants more customers. And so it's like, how do we attract customers? And he has an idea. If someone climbs the side of the building, like <laughs> free, uh, you know, like free solo style. Yeah. And then he'll give him like a thousand dollars, which is a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Um, and basically like a third of this movie is just him climbing up the side of the yep. building. And it's thrilling. And even, even knowing how they did that, it, it's not as dangerous as it looks, mm -hmm. but even knowing how they did that effect where it looks like he's climbing up the side of the building, it still feels really dangerous yeah. and really scary. No, it's great. So that's really impressive. Then uh, I watched The Eternals, which I saw at a at a 10.55pm uh, screening. <laughs> I couldn't do the 7pm. So and, and there was a lot of like bad uh, publicity for it. People oh, are yeah. saying Eternals real bad and real boring. And I'm like, the, okay, at this point, all I want is to not fall asleep in the theater. Because yeah. the movie's going to get out like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I was, I guess, pleasantly surprised. I've already said on the podcast, mm -hmm. it's like middle of the road. I think it's one of the more interesting Marvel movies, and it's one of the ones where I, I want to rewatch it. I feel like I'm going to get something more. And I'm also pleasantly surprised that not everyone hates it. It's more divisive yeah. than, you know... Whatever. Yeah. So there's room to talk about it. And also, my theater at 1.30 in the morning erupted during the <laughs> mid credit scene. We are talking, like, whew. And it's like, the theater was maybe, like, a third full. And people were, like, enjoying it enough. Yeah. Um. So this wasn't, like, endgame. But still, when that <laughs> happened, it seemed like everyone freaked out. Uh. Then I watched Ernst Lubitsch's Heaven Can Wait, which has... A wonderful 
portrayal of hell. Can I say that on the podcast? Yes. Anyway, it's a place. <laughs> um, I didn't know if you'd be offended by that, but it's a place in the movie, so yeah. I don't know that blasphemy. It, uh, yeah, no, it's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't okay. consider it either. <laughs> It, it has my favorite, maybe, on-screen uh, uh, showing of the negative afterlife. Um, but also, it's just, like, a weird, nice movie. If you've never seen an Ernst Lubitsch movie before, um, he was, like, the great inspirer for Billy Wilder. Yeah. Who was the great inspirer for uh, lots of people. Like, he's he's sort of everywhere. So, so this is almost like the the... I don't know if it's a birthplace, but it's sort of like the birthplace of a lot of great writing and directing in movie history. And Heaven Can Wait is a gorgeous Technicolor life drama. Interesting. Um, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's about a really interesting character and also just a movie you don't really see anymore. It came out during World War II and it almost feels sort of like frivolous because it's not like pro-war. It doesn't really talk about the war. It's just kind of about, like, this guy's life. <laughs> and it has, like, just nice things about, like, family and whatever. Um, it's not his funniest movie. I don't think that's what it's trying to be. If you want, like, one of the funniest movies ever, uh, may I recommend uh, To Be or Not To Be. I was going to mention um, that because that's the one Ernest Lubitsch film I've actually seen, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ernst, not Ernest. It's Ernst Lubitsch. Oh, my bad. My mistake. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not as educated <laughs> as <name>. you. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, to be or not to be, straight up the greatest. We need we need Yossi um, here to do the to do the basic facts every week to where I'm not horribly. Mike trying is not to butchering the names, names every time. Yeah. <laughs> Clooney Brown, also some of the hardest I've laughed. There, there's one line uh, in reference to a painting, which is maybe the hardest I've laughed in months. Nice. That's always good. Um, it's just like one line. <laughs> A guy points to a painting and says the line, <laughs> I'm like, actually, like, literally, like, people say, like, rolling on the floor. Actually, <laughs> physically, I fell off the couch and was, yeah, okay. Nice. Uh, Heaven Can Wait. <laughs> really, really good. I like it. Uh, then I watched Pick Up on South Street, which is a noir movie, and I was expecting it to be okay, and it was actually also really, really good. <laughs> it, it came out in 1953. So this is when things are like lightening up a little bit in terms of censorship. Yeah. Um, but but it was really interesting to see, like a movie, like a, like a noir older movie with crime portrayed the way it is. Also, like like there's a lot. I don't know if I'd call it like innuendo, maybe, but but like there's there's like one of the opening scenes that takes place on a subway, and a guy. Uh, pickpockets a woman's purse and something about it just like oh my god in public <laughs> um but but it's like it's like just really effective filmmaking yeah and there are a couple of scenes in it like that where things are done and shot and edited and acted and you know all the filmmaking stuff in a way that it's just it's just like really powerful and you feel it and you're like surprised by it and you know some of it's like there's a, a a character death it's not on screen but it's like way more effective than if it was on yeah. screen um so pick up on south street check that out then yesterday i rewatched uh, the french dispatch which is <laughs> you know chalk it up to recency bias perhaps the best wes anderson movie Ooh. although what i appreciate about wes anderson 
is that like any of his movies are have valid arguments for being the best one. Yeah, and it's like my top three is always Moonrise Kingdom and uh, Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore. It's like those are always like tied for top three, and then maybe this one is better. But it's like <laughs> there, there's just something about the flavor of this movie where Wes is going for it, like he's never done before. He's like like there are like parts of live action scenes that are stop motion for special effects Ooh. and Ooh. and you know like use of color black and white and editing and lenses and whoo, oh my it's because <laughs> it's a movie about writers and it's unmistakably a Wes Anderson movie but it's it uses filmmaking like a really great writer would a sentence and it's like this shot you know, does something different than a standard shot or a standard even what Wes Anderson shot, whatever that means to you. Yeah. And so it feels like there's both the authorial voice of Wes Anderson and then the authorial voice of these fictional authors in the movie. And there are just so many layers of like storytelling and writing and character and filmmaking and everything. Um, that's just, oh, I love it so much. I, I picked up the screenplay. <laughs> because I just had to know how do you write something like this. <laughs> and I've picked up the companion book, uh, An Editor's Burial, which is a uh, collection of writings from the writers who inspired the movie. Yeah. And I've gotten like 80 pages into that. Also <laughs> great. Um, it, it, it really similarly to the movie. It's like, how do you, how do you write something this good? Yeah. Um, but these are writers. And then I watched The Princess Bride for this podcast. Hey, and my thoughts on that are such. First of all, <laughs> cracks fingers once again. Peter Falk, the greatest. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We just do the whole thing again. It's an infinite loop. Just do the whole thing. Well, that, that should be our, uh, the Tenet episode. Exactly. You know? Nice. Remember when Tenet was supposed movie. to be six hours? I miss those days. Uh, I wish, man. When Tenet was going to be like... My, my conspiracy theory is that there's an entire second Tenet that's been cut out of Tenet. Because it doesn't make sense as it is. And I believe that there is six hours of usable movie in there that they've cut out. And I'm like, if they just released that as like... There's like Tenet Red and Tenet Blue. Ooh, so we have the Tenet we know and love. So cool. And then a Tenet that's like, quote-unquote, deleted scenes, but <laughs> might as well wear as its own movie. Yeah. Because... All of Tenet feels like deleted scenes anyway. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just give us more Tenet, like a second Tenet that happens like a Russian nesting doll inside of Tenet, because that's oh, Tenet. That yeah, like, been... I, like, I love the aesthetics of Tenet, but Tenet <laughs> is such a messy movie that I wish, again, like, like I wish there was like six hours of it to actually have it be together with all the, the stuff right. there. <laughs> if I can right. speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tenet. Good movie. <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Anyway, this was our episode on The Princess <laughs> yes, Bride. Princess Bride, yeah. <laughs> a movie we talked about comparatively little uh, in relation to all the other movies we've brought up. Indeed. But still. But that being said, hot take, good movie. You should watch it if you haven't watched it. Yeah. And if you had to watch it, uh, watch it again. Just for just just to be sure that it's still good, you gotta watch. Just it again. to be sure that it's still good. Sometimes I do that. Gonna bring up a different movie. Sometimes I do that with Scott Pilgrim, where I yeah. think like, oh, maybe the haters are right. <laughs> maybe this movie isn't good. Maybe it's just like you know, I was younger then, so I've grown so much. Yeah. Um, and then I watch it. I'm like, no, this is the great. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, I could, I could probably, I could probably get another slap from Yossi too, because I'm not the biggest Scott Pilgrim fan. <laughs> uh, Micah, you're digging, you're digging yourself a hole here. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, What's next? You're gonna you're gonna tell me you didn't like what? What are we? Uh, Citizen Kane? I've never seen <laughs> it. Is that something I heard you say? He still hasn't seen, seen it. it. You have that on record? <laughs> what? I love Citizen Kane, by the way, Yossi. <laughs> Citizen Kane also I, hot take. Good movie. We are exactly. not gonna. No, I just I just. This, I'm so sorry to the audience. This podcast is not wrapping up nearly no, as nicely Yossi, as we would hope. Um, okay, basically. Citizen Kane, enjoyable movie on top of being great. Yes. Uh, it changed the course of cinema. <laughs> That's all you kind of need to know. It's here's really the, fun. Here's the tidbit, though, Yossi. I really, yeah. really dislike Orson Welles. I don't know how. Like, like, like his worker as a person. Just as a person. <laughs> yeah, okay, I get Fair. That. I was about to say, I'm not the biggest fan yeah. of him as a, as a person, but I love I've seen F movies. for Fake, and that's, like, very obnoxious. I hate opinion. F for Fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like wow very impressive if only the point of it wasn't to make you feel like you're stupid <laughs> yeah yeah no that is that is effort fake's biggest problem by far but um yeah yeah the uh, point is to make the audience feel like haha i'm worse than well i'm smarter than you. it's like shut up nerd <laughs> We get it. Your wife is hot and way too young for you. Yeah. And some guy stole a painting. Maybe I don't know. You didn't make that very clear. <laughs> that uh, that should be the plot description of F for Fake. <laughs> we get it, Orson. Shut up. But yeah, go go watch the Princess Bride. Go watch. Go watch uh, the Last Stand. The Last Stand. Go watch the Last Stand. Um, I'm doing a promotional tour two months after. It's <laughs> and. Uh, Hopefully we'll have UFC on the podcast again. Yeah, sometime. maybe we'll it's talk about the Lego as movie you wish. Or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks again for coming on. It was great. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I feel this is the wrong place in the podcast to admit that I invited myself on. <laughs> but hey, I mean, we take guest time... requests. We'll take him. Oh, We're a okay, tiny okay. little podcast. <laughs> yeah. So. One day, maybe all seven of the average viewers will be on the podcast. Exactly, and that'll be nice. There you go. It'll, it'll be like collecting what's, infinity stones. <laughs> yeah. What's what's that? What's that onion article? That's like back cover of book has recommendations from the only people who will read it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this was this was really fun. Um, and and then the story proper is over, and we fade into. I mean, well, you don't want to hear about this. It's, it's kind of gross. Like, an outro, uh, it's, you don't want to hear that kind of stuff. It's, well, it's no good. We can, we can finish it here. Well, maybe, maybe it would be okay. <laughs> All right, fine. I guess we'll, I'll finish the story. And the podcast ended, you know, there, there were not that many podcasts that had the same intensity and longevity as this podcast. <laughs> This was one of the podcasts that really goes down in the history books as one of the most uh, passionate and unmotivated, unfocused podcasts on the recently logged Growway Brothers Network of podcasts and multimedia. And you do a lot of other things, too. Uh, it's really impressive what you're doing here. Um, and maybe one day it'll mean something. But... Who knows? Uh, I'm gonna leave now. I have a bridge tournament as well. Hey, this hey, is, hey um, Grandpa! Could you come yeah. on for another episode sometime? No, no way. It's, <laughs> n this, listen, I only did this because Grandma was busy, and otherwise, I would be watching the game right now. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do it. I mean. Oh.
Yeah, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I want a pay bump. I want name above the title. And and I want all the the merch money. <laughs> merch money. You sell merch, right? All podcasts sell merch. <laughs> I wish we did. We've actually gotten the request. Peter Falk is grandpa (laughs) signing out. And you'll never hear from me again, except tune in to Columbo <laughs> on... Wait, what What network was Columbo on? Was that NBC? I think I, NBC. I have no idea. I think NBC. ABC? Something. All right. I'll be on, I'll be on ABC, <laughs> and I'll be in Mikey and Nikki. But that was 10 years ago <laughs> compared to this movie. <laughs>